Saeed walks up after Rousseau was like, no, this is how you get killed. Mm, no, goodbye. And like, I just imagine Rousseau having taken 30 paces north or whatever, and then was and then heard a gunshot and was like, I liked right. that guy. <laughs> she's walking away, she's like, I told them. Should've listened to me. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is going to be like, what is your favorite, or like, what is the game that you used to play on like, like forever ago when all your computer had was not even internet, it just had whatever came on like Microsoft 7 or whatever. <laughs> I think you'll find that... What was it called? I don't we remember. Had, like Vista. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm way older and... than Microsoft Seven, so. <laughs> yeah, like I remember like Microsoft Encarta. Yeah. So mine is um, Solitaire, but then also um, like Spider Solitaire specifically. Mm-hmm. I've played so much Spider Solitaire that I'm not even sure how to explain the difference between Solitaire and Spider Solitaire. I don't know what Spider Solitaire is. Because I've played so much Spider Solitaire that I can't even explain to you what real Solitaire is. Okay. Okay, hold on. Let me... I don't even know what Spider Solitaire is. Yeah, Spider I, like, Solitaire. I've heard of it, but I don't recall anything about it. I'm trying to find a... An explanation of what it is hold on so that it makes sense to people i almost feel like it's been so long since i've played solitaire i'd have to relearn how to do it yeah oh 100 like trying to do math on paper again oh, okay so basically spider solitaire is easier than regular solitaire um so okay. so regular solitaire you have to like put everything in like number order but it has to be like back and forth on the suits yeah right or like red black red black red black yeah. right but on spider solitaire you just have like black and red or like you can go up to all four suits and you have to put the same suit on the same number oh okay or like are on the on the in like still in numerical order but in the same suit so like all the diamonds have to be together instead of it being red black red black red black so it's easier because there's like only two suits oh okay and so either you have to put all the reds together and oh, all the blacks together oh got it but it's okay, basically exactly like solitaire other than that okay it's like solitaire training yeah i mean basically and oh, i yeah. liked it because it was easier and then i was like ah, i accomplished something <laughs> i need i did not need to learn regular solitaire yeah and my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31-year-old writer and artist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And um, you did solitaire, so I am going to ask if anyone remembers this game that used to be on Microsoft, and it looked like, uh, what's that, that arcade? Pong? Like, pong. It Kind of like Pong, but not. Kind of no. like Pong, but not. Um, you know, we're like... It, Did it have more than two sticks and one ball? It had a paddle and a ball, and you pull... You know, Oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is um, that Pinball, pinball. Pinball. It was a pinball simulator. Yeah. And that was what I played all the time. Man, I, I think had, that, like... Go ahead, Scott. No, I was going to say, I had pinball games for my Nintendo, even going back. Yeah, I, I can't remember... Like, why you would have to have a pinball game for a Nintendo, I still don't know. I think I think I had a computer game. I was going to say it came in a McDonald's Happy Meal, but I think it was, um like, inside a cereal box where I had, like, a Lion King pinball video game that I used to play. Oh, yeah, I had one of those, but it was Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because we're old enough. I just like how we're dating ourselves with the Disney movie that it comes with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that came in, like, friggin' cereal boxes. Mm-hmm. You know what? Cereal box toys don't hit the way they used to. Do they? At all because do, do they, they still exist? have cereal box toys? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're like 
No, it's a choking hazard. No one knows the difference between cornflakes and a <laughs> and an action figure. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. And a metal crustio. Yeah, metal crustio. <laughs> and our guest for this episode is Scott. Hello, hello, I am back. Finally. Yeah. Scott, we have had you on several times, but if people don't remember, I mean, it has been a while. Can you introduce yourself? I'm Scott Taylor. I am 37 years old now. Uh, I come from Chilliwack, BC. I'm a Zamboni driver, of course. And yeah, I've got two kids that have made my life boring to the outside world, but insanely busy here. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I think last time you only had one kid, right? Last time you were here? Yeah, I know. I procreated one more time since we did this last, so... <laughs> <laughs> now that's he's like I made it happen now I have a little girl that tries to kill herself every single day by jumping off of something or sw- trying to swallow something else so yeah it's a yeah. blast <laughs> I, I did insane things like this as a kid too yeah yeah mm-hmm. um so what is your relationship to lost and relationship to the show uh well you know I got into Lost, I want to say it was about eight years ago. I, I, I think it's around eight years ago now. Got into it, watched the first, watched it the first time through in six weeks, um, and just absolutely loved it. Um, and it timed into uh, when I was getting married, me and my wife went to Hawaii, and it was probably about a month before we left. All of a sudden, I realized, realized like, oh, holy crap, Lost, this is where it was filmed, is Honolulu. And we went to a whole bunch of the film sites, um, which was awesome. Like I've been to the beach in Darmaville and stuff like that. But and the show got me into even listening to podcasts, let alone coming and joining on every once in a while. Like I hadn't. As soon as I finished the show, I was like, "Well, are there podcasts about this?" And oh, found it right away. But yeah. I've watched it a couple of times through, and it's 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 still the best written show I've seen. And every other every other show that's along that same genre. It, I find all they just do is they try to copy it. You know what I mean? Like tie everything in. Try to capture the magic. Yeah, try to capture the magic. Try to tie everything into the same to the same person or whatever like that. But no, it's still it's my favorite show. It will always be my favorite show. And yeah, it got me into a whole bunch of stuff like this, right? So. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. And who are who are some of your favorite characters? I love Hurley. Um, I learned to love Sawyer. Um, <laughs> I, but my favorite is still Ben. That Michael Emerson did that role so perfect. It's just that that calming, sinister voice that he has, and that's yeah. what made that character. And it's funny, like a character that would kill people, and you just by the end of it, you loved him so much, and you actually rooted for him. You know, like yeah, it was such sure. a it was such a role reversal. But I, I I fell in love with every single person on that show. But yeah, no Ben Hurley Sawyer is. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's like, with a couple exceptions, there's something to love about every single one of them. Oh, ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. E- even Nikki and Pablo, you, you, you had yeah. to love by the end of it. So. Okay, cool. And then um, you kind of already mentioned it, but if someone wants to follow you on the internet, where can they follow you? You can find me. My Twitter handle is literally, it's just Hey Zamboni Guy. I get that yelled at me enough times at work. So you can find me on Twitter at Hey Zamboni Guy. All I ever do is tweet stuff about either Lost, Wrestling, Disneyland, or Hockey. And that's it. My life is fairly boring. But yeah, I'll be on there every once in a while to voice my opinions on stupid crap that's going on in the world and avoiding the real life news and stuff like that. He's a good old Canadian man, you know? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like whenever we go down to the States and people ask me, oh, I'm from Canada, is it snowing? Well, no, it's August. It's not snowing. Yes. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
Well, no, but and then my wife and then my wife will be like, "Tell them what you do. Tell them what you do." I'm like, I don't want to tell them what I do because they already think that we live in England. So. Yeah, they do think that. No, though. they're gonna make fun of me. They oh, they do. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, you're yeah, totally. Like you tell any Canadian that you're a Zamboni driver, and everyone's like, "That That's is so awesome. cool." Yeah. You tell any American, and they're just like, "What's that? The home?" No, no, really. Oh, yeah. I like to think that we have people all over the world listening to this podcast who are like, oh, "Please, I know what a Zamboni." is because I've listened to this podcast before. I'm cultured. And if I can educate people on it one person at a time, that's great because there's still so many people like, what What the hell do you do? What is that? They have no idea. So. Like, I'm sorry that you don't know the world's most satisfying job. I'm sorry for you. It, and it is. Like, over after 21 years, I still love it every day. The novelty has not worn off. It's still fun. So That's amazing. Yeah. So you uh, you called this episode quite a lot in advance. What made you choose this episode? How many years ago? Like 15 years ago, it seems like? Yeah, yeah I, it was 15 or 16, God. maybe 23. Before loss even started. <laughs> it feels like that. Like when I was talking to you the other day and I was like, man, I'm like, I called once in four, five, and six. I don't remember this at all. Oh, yeah. He DM'd me. <laughs> DM'd me and he was like, hey, can I have this one in season five? And I was like, you already have one in season five. <laughs> I, oh, I had no idea. I don't, I just liked the episode. Like, we're going to go into a whole bunch of stuff, but it, it's got, it's got two really good storylines of stuff that's going on. It's just yeah. one that I remember. We get to, in, we get introduced to another new character. It's, yeah, it's just, season three is really, really good. And I think this is one of the, the better ones on it. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I sometimes, um. We get on a podcast and I'm like, okay, well, I have a lot to say about the A storyline and like some things to say about the, the the flashbacks. But, you know, I don't always like come in being like, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. And I have lots of notes for everything. Mm -hmm. um, but for this episode, I was like, oh, I have meaningful things to say about everything. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It's not like the B storyline is they try to kill a frog. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> that was the last time we had Scott. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, I know. Like, like, how do I talk about this for three hours? Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> I always think, like, because um, we've had you on, like, four times? I think so, because I remember I did a round, I think I did, like, the round yeah. table yeah, kind of one in season one. And... Maybe, is this the fourth, this might be the fourth time. Oh, no, no. No, because we had you on uh, 115, season one round table, and then Fire and Water and uh, one of them. So, yeah, yeah. This, is our, this is your fifth time on. Yeah. I wonder, like... Now that we have like such a large like array of guests that we've had on, I always wonder if like the people who like casually listen to this podcast are like, oh, like they listen to the end of oh, last Scott again, yay! <laughs> like they listen to the, the end of last episode and they're like, oh, great, Scott's coming on. I know that guy exactly. Like, do you anticipate the guest? Yeah. I, I always wonder. It, it would be awesome if there was like even two people like, oh, I like Scott. He's funny. He's the Zamboni yeah. guy. We like him. Like, cool. Maybe I could have more Scott than Scott stands. Yeah. Sound off in the comments. <laughs> Maybe I could have more than one fan than my two kids. That's it. And my wife who tolerates me every day. So yeah, yeah. Today we have words to say about episode three, eleven of Lost. Enter seventy-seven. So, um, for Enter seventy-seven, Lost. Oh, sorry, seventy-seven. Of course, my mistake. Yeah, like here, if you if they hadn't said it in the episode, I would have let it slide. But yeah, you know, the, you know, the word part is as I was saying it, I was like, you did that's it not wrong. wrong. You did it wrong. <laughs> that's not right. Yeah. Um, so in Enter Seven Seven, Locke does so in the episode. I think like one of our segments later is did they do the thing, which is did they say the name of the episode in the episode? They do it multiple times in this episode, so it must be important. Scott, you were just saying, did you did you end up finding that thing? 
that you were talking about? I did find that thing. I found the thing. I found the thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording that Scott had done like research on like what the the number 77, like why that, that number was chosen. So do you want to go off on that right now? Yeah, it, it, kind of, it kind of goes in. It's just a really short little thing and I'm stealing this off a website, but it goes into more of the B storyline in this. Um, oh, perfect. Uh, let me just read this. So I'm stealing this off the internet. Uh, the correlation is wrapped in form of a planetary karma and karma can bring person uh, carrier price to pay. It can be rewarded or a punishment. There's also a, sol- a small percentage in the angel number 77 who fall under the bad karma category, uh, receive punishment for past life mistakes. Sure. And we know where that goes into for Absolutely. down the road. So. Yeah, that's great. I like sometimes they do these things and I'm like, there's no way you did that on purpose. And other times it's like, you know that they did it on purpose. And then there's times like these where I'm like, did you just pick a number and it happened to work out like this? No, you, I don't think anything on this show was just done by accidents, you know, because they could have chosen. Yeah. <laughs> other shows, yes. Yeah. This one, no. Right. Yeah, other shows, yes. But they could have been like, enter the number 5-2. Like, oh, okay, what the hell does 5-2 mean? Or right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 57, oh, that's the Heinz number. Oh, it's got to mean something, so. <laughs> the Heinz number. The Heinz number. Uh, perfect. So the broadcast date for this episode was March 7th, 2007. I... Always love to make the people who I'm on the podcast oh, I hate feel you. old, but this was two days after my 12th birthday. Good God. That aired. Um, it was written by Damon and Carlton, and based on the monologue near the end of the episode, you can tell that it was Damon and Carlton who wrote this. And it was directed by Stephen Williams, uh, who is a classic Lost director. I just want to tell you that in March of 2007, I was getting ready to graduate high school. Yeah. That's how old I am. Thank you. I was, oh God, 27, or I was, geez, I'm born in 83. God, I can't do math right now. (laughs) Was I like 27? When the number gets that high, you're just like, whatever. I was. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I grabbed a couple of fun facts about this episode um, from Lostpedia, and they said that the journey to the flame station coincidentally covers day 77 on, um, on the island. I don't. I don't know how that would have been purposeful because it's like either you pick one or the other. Either you pick it because it covers day 77 or you pick it because it means something. And it's just a coincidence that both of those things go together, I guess. All right. As of this episode and the next, Josh Holloway has appeared in more episodes than Matthew Fox, um, who prior to this uh, held and from The Man from Tallahassee, which is in a couple episodes, Onward holds the records for the most appearances. Um, So Matthew Fox has the most appearances, um, except... Just like these couple episodes in season three, Sawyer has been in more episodes than Jack. I like that better. (laughs) And then also, this is the first time that Matthew Fox has been absent for two episodes in a row on the series. Bro, didn't notice. No. (laughs) I I genuinely didn't notice Jack wasn't there the entire time. I was like, oh, this is great. Because there are multiple, there are like many episodes in which Jack just straight up isn't there. And so like, since we do these so like far apart... It's like, I, I don't notice. I mean, I think maybe if I was like, I, ha- I had mentioned last episode that Jin had been gone since 303 un- until last episode. Right. Um, and so if I was like a huge Jin stan, I would definitely notice. So like, I understand maybe if you're watching this week by week or like if you're binging it and you're like a big Jack fan, you're like, hey, where's my friend? But yeah, this is the first time. Jack hasn't been on since I had breakfast this morning. So. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, this is the first time that Jack has been absent for two episodes in a row in the whole series. And then the most fun, fun 
fun fact about this episode is that after this episode, that is the halfway point in the series. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is uh, like the the exact half, and it's like a, a, there's six seasons. And half is not the end of season three. It's halfway through season three. And that's because the seasons get shorter after this. Because it was season, is it season four was the writer strike season? Am I correct? Yeah. On that? Yeah. Yeah. So season four, I think was only like 14 episodes. Something like that. Yeah. And then the, and then season five and season six are longer than season four, but not as long as seasons one, two, and three. Honestly, it's because the show was so expensive. It's because the show was so expensive. Yeah, and I yeah. also think that like season five had it perfect. I think that season five was like the the exact right amount. How of, long was it? I want to say like sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, I just know that like season five, in my opinion, like I really love season three. I think that season three has really incredible um, like standalone episodes, like. Uh, if I were to look in there, like I would, the most episodes that I like actively love are in season three, Mm -hmm. but season five has the best like arc. I wouldn't say that like, there's a whole bunch. If I looked in season five, I could pick out, I could definitely pick out a few, but like, I can't pick out like a whole bunch of episodes in season five that I'm like, Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. I think it's because they flow together. Exactly. Like the arc of season five is so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, <laughs> I guess, I guess that's what I'm saying. But yeah, this is the halfway point in the series. Exciting. Uh-huh. I'm really excited. When does that mean we'll finish? Like, because how long? I might have five kids by then. Who knows? Oh my God. <laughs> Your wife in the background. No, you won't. <laughs> my dog in the background going, no, no, no. <laughs> no more, please. They pulled no. my fur. <laughs> it's, it's still going to take us to the end of 2022 to finish season three. <clears throat> Okay. And then season four will probably take up a little over 2023, like maybe a little bit more than 2023. But that's the writer strike one, so it's yeah. shorter. I remember that. Yeah. Like I remember when the writer strike happened, everyone was like, what's going to happen to Lost? And instead of like trying to make it work, they were like, we're just going to end it early. Yeah. And I thank them for that. Well, that that's another thing. They didn't end it early like Riverdale ended it early this, this no. season. Or like last season because they just had to stop. Like at least they were like, this is the amount that we have. Make it work. Make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. Ugh. I love season four. And if anyone deserved to go on strike to get their residuals from streaming services, it was those writers. Yeah. It's true. I just finished season four. I'm doing a rewatch along with another podcast. And yeah, that I didn't like that one the first couple of times that I went through it, but man, that season four ended so good, but that whole season was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that if the people who have already seen the this the um the show and are listening to this know exactly what we're talking about. And I hope that this conversation has made the people who haven't seen it excited. But I also don't want to leave them out for too long. So let's uh let's go into the recap of the episode. Brittany I'm ready. Did that. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> the name of my note just says Sawyer. <laughs> good. Sawyer yesterday. <laughs> Ominous. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Sawyer fat shames Hurley on the beach, and Hurley is like, hey, have you found Kate yet? And I'm like, sick burn, dude. Anyway, so Hurley found a ping pong table in the jungle, and also Sawyer doesn't want Paolo's Dookie magazine back, and those two things are related. In the jungle, Locke and Saeed argue over how stupid their journey is, but a cow interrupts, as they do. Saeed finds a farm, which is kind of neat. Sawyer wants to play for his Dookie magazine. I hate that I wrote Dookie magazine. His Dookie magazine And multiple back. times. No nicknames if he loses. Locke and Co. inspect the farm's satellite dish, and Rousseau bounces because she knows what show she's on. Saeed goes in unarmed because he doesn't know what show he's on, and he immediately gets shot. Anyway, they resolve their misunderstanding with Mikhail, and... 
Is it Mikhail? Yeah, Mikhail. Mikhail. Yeah. Mikhail, yeah. And they decided to be best friends forever. Mikhail gives us his tragic backstory and reveals the others let him live there after some kind of war. Locke plays computer games. That's it. That's all he does for most of this episode. He plays computer games. Sayid says he's not Dharma. He's actually one of the others. And Kate is like, what? Sawyer discovers Hurley's wicked good at ping pong and that he messed up big time. Sayid starts to play cat and mouse with Mikhail. Mikhail is like, bet, and goes absolutely ape. Locke misses the whole thing because he was playing video games by Trixie Mattel, now available on iTunes. Oh, so good. Anyway, you should listen to that. <laughs> it's actually a really good song. Locke keeps playing video games. Again, not a joke. He ends up winning and finds a secret Dharma video. Mikhail wakes up. In the basement, Kate is attacked by an other that she knows took Jack. They take her hostage. Everyone's a hostage because it's lost. In a plot twist, Mikhail shoots the woman. Saeed said that he can't kill Mikhail in turn, however, because he's Saeed and he's had some character development. Hurley beats Sawyer so badly that he breaks Sawyer's glasses. <laughs> and since he's Hurley, he returns Sawyer's stuff because Sawyer's a guy who eats stuff. He tells Sawyer that Kate will be okay, and Sawyer's like, hey, thanks for comforting me, but like, go away now. Saeed takes Mikhail hostage while Locke plays more video games. <laughs> Again! Saeed finds a map that will lead them to the other's base because he's smart and handsome. Rousseau is like, hey, maybe we should kill this guy and because we, we don't really need him. And Saeed is like, no, my principles are more important. And I'm like, ah, you're too sexy to have a brain today, I guess. Lockman is a stick game. He used it all earlier. He used his whole brain. He was like, no, now my brain only have arms. Lockman is a sick game and the ending involves blowing up the whole farm. So that's a different kind of game. In the past, Saeed cooks up a storm in a restaurant. He gets a visit from Sammy who wants to speak to the chef. Sammy clocks him as being Iraqi and invites him to come cook for him instead. In Paris, Saeed gets his ass handed to him with when his new chef job turns out to be a trap. Sammy wants to know if Saeed recognizes his wife, which he doesn't. Wrong answer. Because Saeed tortured her when she was a prisoner of war. Saeed insists that it wasn't him because he knows everyone's faces that he tortured and he never tortured women. Later, she enters and tells him a story of a tortured cat that she saved. It's more eloquent than I'm making it sound, but I can only do so much with one pea brain. Anyway, she knew what the cat felt like because Saeed made her feel unsafe. She wants it to him to tell the truth. He says that he did it and that he's sorry. She forgives him and lets him go. Yeah. I couldn't make that part funny because it's not funny. Yeah, it's like... I mean, we'll talk about it later, but, like, one of my favorite monologues of the entire show by this woman who is here and then leaves and is never, like, never comes back again. But, like, one of the most, like, poignant moments mm -hmm. ever. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. It's, like, that part of the, the whole show is just, like, not funny. Mm -hmm. So they paired it with Sawyer trying to get his poop magazine back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I, I like how much you've <laughs> I really situated I really, it all, being yeah. specifically about... About the magazines? I, I just respect that. I mean, does he really need to be reading? What was it? Guns and ammo? Yeah. What are you going to do with that? He's like, but he wants his porno. What about when people actually sit and read a magazine? Well, you know, Duke. Like, no yeah. one actually ever does that. Well, he needs reading material, I guess. Apparently, yeah, you would think that he needs toilet paper out there, too. You'd think, well, you'd think that all of their fruit and stuff would make them pretty regular. So maybe, I don't know. One right? Would yeah, you know what? Actually, one would think. Yeah. So, um, and in an absolutely delightful a, a B storyline, <laughs> which is like maybe four scenes long, just incredible. I I feel a little bit slighted that we didn't get to see more of the um of the actual tournament though. But I yeah, I, I know, wanted to see them play ping pong. I know that there was more important things to do, but like. Uh, excuse me. They were like, you got enough joy last episode. Um, okay, this is my summary of the first scene. On the beach, Sawyer looks around for Kate and finds Hurley and the others setting up the charred ping pong table from the hatch. Paolo comes up and asks about it. Sawyer notices that Paolo has one of his magazines and demands for everyone to stop sharing his stuff and give it back. Paolo tries to give it back to him, but it turns out he was reading it while he was pooping, so Sawyer does not want it back. <laughs> So, first of all, so Sawyer's ponytail makes a, a reappearance, which I call his prison pony, um, because the last time that he wore that was when we saw him in the um, Every Man for Himself flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I call that his prison pony. And, and we get- prison pony. And I like that we also get, like, the Sawyer music right here, which, like, to be honest, and I don't often- 
question Michael Giacchino. But what? but it was like such like low and like creepy kind of music for like the moment I felt. But I was like, I guess that is the Sawyer theme, isn't it? He seems to be looking around for something important, which is obviously Kate, because she probably did not tell him where she was going because she was mad at him. I mean, you can't blame her. Yeah. Um, Hurley says that Jin found the ping pong table, which is obviously from the hatch. Um, did we ever see the ping pong table in the hatch? Like we must have, right? But for some reason, I'm not remembering it. I thought he found the ping pong table. Yeah, he found the ping... Jin did. He found it in the, in the jungle. Yeah, they said after the sky turned white or whatever. I don't remember uh, it being in there, but... Me neither. It's too bad the washer and dryer that exploded up into the air didn't yeah. land at anywhere, like anything useful except for a half-blown-out ping pong table. Right, right. I'm like, okay, well, maybe it was, like, folded up and it was in a corner or something? I don't know. Uh, and so I think Sawyer's like, well, didn't the hatch collapse inward? And it's like... Sure, but it was an explosion, so it makes sense to me that it that it would have yeah it had gone blew upward and then sunk inward yeah. right and Hurley's like dude I don't know I was not there and neither were you we were both on like some dock somewhere so it doesn't really matter we have a ping pong table now and Hurley says I don't really care about this stuff I just make myself a salad and move on which of course reminded me also of every man from him, for himself when um, Hurley made that fruit salad. And Hurley was like, right in front of my salad. Right in front of my salad. Um, I have nothing to contribute except that. And he's like, and then I just move on. And Sawyer's like, oh, well, that looks like it's working for you. Stop. Can we think of any, like, listen, there are things to make fun of Hurley for. But can we think of anything else? Sawyer, you're creative. Think of anything else <laughs> to make fun of him for. It's just his easy, his easy go back every time. It's just to make some sort of fat joke and stuff like that. Right. I bet he thinks about them before he falls asleep and he just has them ready. Starts writing them down in his Dookie magazine. Like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to call Hurley this and I'm going to call Jack, Jack this. And... Yeah. It's catching <laughs> on. So if, if you can't if, think of anything for Jack, just use tried and true doc. And if Jin learns English, I'm going to tell him he's hooked on phonics. Yeah. Yeah. I got, yeah. I got that. I got that. <laughs> You know what's a good one? Jumbotron. I thought Jumbotron. of that one while I was in the cage. Yeah. <laughs> like, none of this was really original Sawyer, but you know what? He had so many nicknames last episode, and he does so many nicknames here. I'm just like, he definitely had them, like, building up in the back of his head while he was gone. And also, he's not allowed to say anything for a week, which, by the way, like, Sun really should have gone for a month. Well, that's what I thought, too. I'm like, a right? week? Week is nothing. I'm, why didn't she just say, like, you can't use nicknames... Ever. 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 I mean, I guess like... Like, if I'm trying to get rid of something like that, I'm going ever. I'm not just going a week of us trying to be happy. Exactly. Yeah, the writers are like, well, people think it's funny, so we definitely need to bring it back at some point. Like, the way I try and make it make sense for myself is that they're like, hopefully we're going to be saved and we won't be here for a full month or something. But at this point, they've already been there, what's day 77. So at that point, it's like, you might as well just be ready for the long run. You live there yeah. now. Yeah. So Hurley says that he doesn't know where Kate is either. And then Sawyer sees Paolo. Um, and he's like, oh, it was in the stack of magazines that we all share. And I'm like, is the porno just in that stack of magazines? Yeah, like, do y'all share pornos? And then he calls him Zorro. So, of course, uh, that is a fictional costumed hero known for his Spanish heritage and sword fighting skills. And Powell's like, okay, sure, just, like, take it back then. Um, and then he has the toilet paper, so you know that he was pooping while he was reading it. And so Sawyer's like, ugh, never mind. And I'm like, Sawyer, do you want your stuff back or not? You would think at that yeah. point pickers can't be choosers, right? Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that. Like, there's no hand sanitizer or soap on that island anyways, so everything they touch is all... Exactly, everybody's busy, okay? None of you have had showers in 77 days. No. <laughs> well, actually, Kate has. Well, some did in the hatch, so... Yeah. 
Um, so everyone sets up the netting on the ping pong table. Sawyer suggests that he win all his stuff back by playing ping pong. Um, they're going to choose a champion and Sawyer will play against them. Sun says that if they win, they can't, he can't give any nicknames for a week and Sawyer agrees. So yeah, everyone's just like working together because they need fun. And I'm like, yeah, that would have been nice to hear last episode when, when Hurley was like, everybody help me because it will be fun. And everyone was like, we don't want to Hurley. But now that it's like right in front of them on the beach, they're like, let's do it. Like, yeah. All right. (laughs) Plus it's an, it's chance. Is a chance to screw Sawyer over? That's yeah. always a good time. Sure. So Sawyer has this like small little wiffle ball to offer, um, but he doesn't not going to give it to them because he wants all his stuff back that was taken while he was gone. Um, but he's going to be so nice and he's going to let everybody play for it. And Nikki's like, that wasn't even yours. And he's like, it was mine because I took it. <laughs> and also, who are you? And I'm like, bro, you literally hugged her last episode in the montage when you were like coming back to the beach. You hugged her and you just don't know who she is. Interesting. I guess she's a pretty girl. Yeah, but you think he'd remember a pretty girl. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's it's him. Yeah. But you would think he's too focused on Kata not to, to, <gasps> to focus in on her. But he's simping, wow. he's simping too hard. Yeah. 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 That's so true. Yeah. You know, Sawyer, like, acts like he's, like, this big, tough guy. But, like, both of the love interests that he really has on this show, he's just a huge simp for both times. You know? Oh, he's the yep. little spoon. We learn that yeah. later. We That's canon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, oh, who are you even? And then we get this shot of like Paolo like looking up, which is I think foreshadowing to, um, you know, expose and us knowing like more about the relationship between Paolo and Nikki. I assume that Paolo doesn't really like how he talks to her, but he is not brave enough to say anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I'm, I also think that partially like that, that look that Paolo's looking back up at Sawyer is like, just like incredulous at the fact that he can just he just says mean things so confidently and mm-hmm. he does not care if nobody likes him. Yeah. He just says things. I would never like I'm not Sawyer, but I would never say to someone who who was talking to me, "Who are you even?" I would never yeah. say that. Yeah, there is like absolutely no manners. Yeah. Well, and you would think like after a certain point like these are like the same like 30 people that I have to live with for God knows how long, like, I, I should either get along with them or just completely move on. And we know that he didn't want to just go off and be by himself. Like, why at this mm-hmm. point not just stop being a asshole, you know? And just, yeah, mm-hmm. like, what what's the point of being like this anymore? Like, at that point, it's like a conscious decision not to learn the names of the other people. Yeah. Because he's been here for so long. Sawyer's also addicted to feeling like people don't like him because of who he is. And he doesn't like being liked. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no. Because it makes him uncomfortable. But I also think it makes him feel extra special when the person who he wants to like him does like him. Yeah. Because it feels like... Sawyer's a pick-me. <laughs> yeah. He is, though. It, it's like um, it's like you've look, looked past all of the bad things about me. And so he knows like who's his real people because they like look past all of the bad things and they like still like him or mm-hmm. whatever. He get he gets a high off of being not being like. For sure. You know. Like he's yeah. he's t- he totally seems like one of those little kids that got picked on in school so bad that just wanted people to like him and then yeah. at some point something happened to him like later on like high school or whatever and just started being an ass to everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. and realize like hell it's a lot more fun if people just don't like me at all so i'm yep. gonna i'm gonna put off this aura to myself of just being a jerk 
And if you're going to want to like me, it's going to take you a, a lot of effort, you know? Right. It takes, yeah, exactly. It takes less effort for me to be mean than it is for me to be nice. And also then I don't have to worry about having tried to get people to like me. And if they don't, then it's embarrassing. If I don't try to get people to like me, then it it's fine if they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Then he doesn't lose anything. Like he won't There's have no his feelings face. hurt. Yeah. Yep. Um. So Hurley says yes to this because he's secretly super good at ping pong. Um. And so he's like, okay, get your best player. We're gonna play one game. I will absolutely crush them, and then I get everything back. I'm so proud of him. And Hurley's like, well, what if you lose? And he's like, I won't lose, but like, whatever. I'm like, dude, you're setting yourself up. Like, you don't know. Yeah. How much ping pong have you played when you were? At- when you had mono and watching Lil House. <laughs> to brings the mono up for no reason. <laughs> because I'm fair, I'm gonna let you play me for it. Play ping pong? That's right, Avalanche. You bastards put up your best player. One game. And when I crush them, y'all gotta bring me every piece of my stash back. If you lose? I ain't gonna lose, but... If I do, tell you what, name it. So Jin turns to Sun and asks, what's up, basically. Um, in Korean, he says, what Sawyer says. And I assume, you know, all of these things are lost in translation when you just, like, put it in Google Translate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically he's saying, hey, w- w- what's going on? Mm-hmm. Sun says in Korean, wait, I'll tell you later. I have a good idea. <laughs> I love her. And, like, yes. But also, if I was Jin, I would be so tired and annoyed of hearing yeah yeah one sec I'll tell you later yeah when it's in the middle of a conversation you know I just like I try and look through Jin's eyes as much as I can and I just really feel like I would be so tired of hearing yeah yeah I'll tell you later when you just want to be part of like the group and part of the conversation that's totally fair yeah how left out can you feel when you have no idea what's going on at all and you're just standing there like we've all been in like in circles of conversations where everyone knows each other and you're just that awkward stranger yeah yeah that's all it and this is worse and there's like just an inside joke everyone's talking about it's like they're saying a different language mm-hmm. except that's Jin's entire time yeah and you're like oh ha, ha, great yeah I remember Jimmy yeah no I don't yeah <laughs> classic Jimmy classic it Jimmy. honestly sounds miserable yeah so then Sawyer gives them racist nicknames which is uh, so it's a reference to Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon which is referring to the Chinese language martial arts film they would you believe it are not Chinese what Yikes. I'm shocked that he would be racist about something. So, of course, after that racist nickname, Sun's like, how about no nicknames? Because there were so many last episode. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Sawyer agrees to that. He says he'll be back in an hour. Choose your player. And it is so, so much better for Hurley to be like, hmm, yeah, no, you'd probably do way better than all of us. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, they need to get him to agree to it. Oh, yeah, he has to buy the crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he And he buys it... So much. Well, we don't ever see Hurley ever doing anything like... Conniving like this. I.e. wrong or conniving or mischievous ever. Yeah. So for him to do this kind of finally against, like, someone that's obviously, I don't know, just way more superior-ish in quotes than him is awesome. Right, and he's not doing it any type of, like, malicious way, really. Like, he, he's doing it, like, four forces of good, which I love. Yeah. yeah. So our heroes have chosen Hurley as their champion. No one saw this coming. Yeah. Hurley establishes a mercy rule if either of them are up really far. Um, (laughs) Sawyer is still very cocky about it, allowing Hurley to serve first. Hurley wins the first point very easily, and Sawyer is just, like, completely caught off guard by this. It's so funny. He, like, asked for the mercy rule, and I'm like, Sawyer, 
you're being led into a trap and you're too handsome to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so Sawyer calls Hurley Grimace. And here <laughs> is the thing. I know that these <laughs> nicknames that he does are mean. A lot of them are are like completely just like cannot be that, you know, like it's yeah. just it's yeah. bad. But there are certain things like Grimace. It's like you still have to laugh even when they're mean sometimes because I like it's, it's, forgot it's, that Grimace existed it, until exactly. you said that. And now I like it's just so funny that he he has these like such he digs real deep into these like obscure holes of like things that are in the back of other people's heads and that's why it's funny because of the things the things that he says are so specific like here's the thing i have been fat and am fat and i genuinely left a grimace and i felt bad about it because like obviously it's bullying but grimace like if you're gonna bully someone and you come up with that deep a reference i have to give you some points for it that would have had me laughing too because like i i had every fat joke thrown at me for years and if someone would have called me Grimace, I would have, I would have giggled on that one. We were all kids in the eighties and the nineties. We remember the McDonald's game. We know who exactly. If you had called anybody Grimace, I would have laughed because Grimace is so stupid looking. Yeah. And I think it's very funny. Guys, what happened to Grimace and the Hamburglar? Did they just disappear? Well, and they, they had a couple other, uh, couple other the the girl. What was? Her? Yeah, they had like yellow. Yeah, yeah, the yellow one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, she was like a bird or something. Something. I don't remember. No, mm, I know what she you're was thinking. a dinosaur. That's Big Bird. Yeah. <laughs> you just spit all over. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I'm so funny. I wasn't wrong show. Sorry. Hold on, McDonald's. But like, where did they go? I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> McDonald's yellow girl was. Didn't she look like? I hope it comes up as Big Bird. Oh, there she is. See, she's a bird. Yay, she does yeah, look yeah. like Big she Bird. She looks though. like Big Bird. Her name, you guys will never believe this. Have you guys seen what her name is? No. <laughs> Birdie. Birdie. Oh, that's your name. Wait, is she supposed to be like a chicken that we they make chicken nuggets out of? Oh my god. Because like, what was Grimace? Uh, Grimace, I thought, Grimace was shaped like a McNugget. But yeah. he was just a purple blob. <laughs> yeah. Birdie the early bird. Bird, most likely a canary, it says on McDonald's wiki. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't even think McDonald's pumps out those toys anymore. I don't think so. I remember no. they were, they were like, all over the McDonald's that I used to play in, like, the play yeah. place that I used to play in. Like, their pictures was everywhere. Okay, I gotta look up Grimace to see what, what he, uh... Here's a fun one. Does anyone remember my, my McDonald's in town had this when I was a kid? There was a phone by the front counter, and you could uh, pick it up and like press like whatever, and it would call Ronald McDonald and like a yes. recording that would talk to you. God, that's so cool. I don't remember much from my child. I remember that vividly. That just unlocked something in my brain that I had forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, this is what it says on McDonald's wiki about Grimace, okay? Grimace is a character featured in McDonaldland commercials. He is a large purple anthropomorphic being of indeterminate species with <gasps> short arms and legs. Oh my god! He is known for his slow-witted demeanor. His most common expression is the word duh before every sentence. I know that that is very mean to Hurley, but that's very funny. Calling anyone Grimace is funny. Oh, yeah. Thank uh, you me. know what? I'm going to call our cat Grimace. <laughs> no, but you know who looks like Grimace? Peavy. Yeah, she, our other she cat. Got the, she got the Grimace body shape. She does. And she's a <laughs> anthropomorphic being of indeterminate <laughs> species. She kind of is. I don't know where that cat came from. She's an alien. Yeah, so I have to laugh even when they're mean sometimes. Like, I forget the... Like I said, I forget the Grimace exists until he says these things. And it's also kind of nice, too, to feel like you're in on the joke. Because yeah. I know what Grimace is. Yeah. 
Um, and then he also later also calls him Avalanche, which was a super heavyweight professional wrestler from the 1980s and 1990s. So that oh, was right. the other one that he okay. uses. So they established the mercy rule. So if he's like up too high, we'll just call it a win. And so it's like, ha sure, whatever. And so he's like, I'm very nice and I'll let you serve first. Haha, you're welcome. Haha. Um, and so everyone's cheering for Hurley. Um, and I think Sawyer feeds off this. Like we said, like he like enjoys being disliked. And so the fact that everybody's cheering for not him, like are cheering against him, probably he probably kind of likes it. Yeah. So everybody's cheering for Hurley except Jin, who still seems confused. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame him. Yeah. He's he's just standing there because he doesn't. I'm like, it's been an hour. Has no one exp- like, son, have you explained to him what's going on? <laughs> Did she just forget about him? I don't know. I hope not. But Hurley gets his super, his first point, like super, super easily. And then we go pretty far down the episode and uh, we go, um, after the match, Sawyer fiddles with his glasses. Hurley approaches and says sorry for embarrassing him. He gives him his playboys back because he understands that Sawyer likes having stuff. He also tells him that he's sure that Kate is okay. Sawyer nearly gives him another nickname, but Hurley stops it because it's Hugo now. Aww. So Sawyer is messing with his glasses because he hit him really hard in the in the forehead. <laughs> So he's just making sure his glasses aren't broken from being... I just... I'm, we were robbed. I needed to see that moment really bad. Yeah. It's just the visual image of Sawyer right between the eyes with a ping pong ball. you telling me I was robbed of that? It's what nice if, to know that it happened, though. And especially if he could yell, Oh, my glasses! Yeah. yeah oh, my glasses. God, yes! Yeah, I am... Um, you know, it's like... It's it's super karma. Um, it's, it's nice to know that Hurley embarrassed him so hard. And it's also nice... Because the writers know that we can't just keep wailing on Hurley and that Sawyer needs to be taken down a couple pegs sometimes. And so it's nice that they do it. The chubby guy gets a win. He's got to get a win every once in a while. So Sawyer feels like he's been completely tricked. Um, And yes, you were. And it was worth it. Hurley says that his mom had a table and he played it a lot at the institution, but he stops himself from saying that. And he's like, just this uh, place that I would hang out. Um, And Sawyer is very self-centered and doesn't even notice. Yeah, I was like, Hurley did not make that like subtle at all. And Sawyer was just like, okay, sure. I thought it had been kind of public, public um, island knowledge that he had been in in a facility. No, I think he told he's told Jack. Jack, I thought, yeah, and he's told Charlie, I think, but I don't know because he told Charlie the whole story about the balcony mm-hmm. and stuff like that, right? And he told Libby probably, yeah. or Libby just knew, I guess. And she ain't telling no one no more. So yeah, the thing is that the the island gossip is Hurley, and he's not telling his own no. <laughs> his own secrets. Uh, he's like, well, Sawyer, you got three points too, so like that's better than nothing. So good job. And Sawyer just feels completely patronized by this. Sawyer gives him a couple of things because he knows that he needs stuff to feel important, basically. And I. I love this that like, first of all, he's like, oh, are you a psychologist now? And like, no, but he also has spent a lot of time with psychologists. Mm -hmm. But I also like this because Sawyer isn't, and like, we already know this because we've talked about it a whole bunch and, you know, we've seen this show, but none of these characters are one dimensional, you know? And so even Sawyer, everybody can like see that he needs things to feel important, you know, like he's not feeling important. And what makes him feel important is this, like, he's not so he's transparent about that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's very honest about needing stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if he even means to, but like, it's pretty clear that, you know, not even this guy feels important all the time and he needs something to feel like he can still put himself on a pedestal, even if nobody else does. Well, and he needs to be the person that people come to, to get stuff. Like he needs to have that. Yeah. He needs to feel that purpose. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his role on the island. He's the guy with the stuff. Yeah. And Hurley also knows that he's worried about Kate and, you know, she'll be okay because she's with Locke and Saeed. And honestly, yeah. uh, Yeah. Those are two of the best people to be with. Yep. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's going to nickname him, but he's like, actually, it's Hurley. And then he's like, oh, wait, Hurley is a nickname. Or Hugo, if you want to. And he's like, you can pick whichever one you want, actually. I don't mind. And so he's like, ah, whatever. I hate everything. Because it's not Jumbotron. Because it's not Jumbotron. That's the that's the A storyline. Or that's the B storyline, sorry. That was short. Yeah, it's just little. It had four little scenes. The the B storyline, God, the A, <laughs> the main storyline is massive, however. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just massive. Yeah. Um, so let's get started. Unless you had anything else to uh, add to the B storyline, Scott? No, no, I'm good, guys. I'm good. Great. Uh, Kate, Rousseau, Locke, and Saeed have been walking through the jungle for two days following Locke's compass bearing. Saeed thinks it's dumb. Um, they take a break and Saeed grabs fr- some fruit to eat. So they're like, okay, let's stop and eat. And Locke's like, oh, are we still on course? And Saeed's like, yeah, you absolute nutball. <laughs> Um, they're on a course of 305, which is the episode number that he saw it, I believe. Like, when he saw it on the on the stick. Like, he saw the bearing on the stick. Yeah, it was yeah, 305. Yeah, yeah. So. it was. Because I was like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And Locke kind of looks inside, like, what, you think this is weird? That we're following this number that I saw on a stick? Hmm. Wait, why do you think that's weird? Oh, Locke. And, and so he's like, yeah, we're following a stick for two full days. <laughs> but okay. And I didn't think about it like that, but that's <laughs> totally what they're doing. And Locke is really confident that they're going to get somewhere. Like, there's no doubt in his mind that this was meant to be something. Mm-hmm. And it's like the only thing they have. And honestly, it works. They get here because of following that bearing. Yeah. So, you know, Locke. And, and that's part of the reason why I think Locke. We'll talk about Locke and the chess game and everything. But like, Locke probably feels like he was like meant to find this chess game. Because 100%. of what, how that bearing brought them here, which I think I had said last night when we were rewatching the episode, I was like, Locke is hugely handed the idiot ball this episode because oh, yeah. all he does is play the chess game. Um, and Brittany had been like, well, here, do you want to? Yeah, my whole theory on Locke playing the chess game was that, of course, Locke sees a puzzle and wants to solve it. Yeah. Like, the guy literally says to him, no one can beat this game. Mm -hmm. It's like he wanted Locke to be preoccupied with this because Locke's, like, one of the smartest people. Because all Locke does then is go, it's my destiny to solve this game because I must be special. If I solve this... If I, like, beat the game, I'm special. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it wasn't an idiot ball. It was a completely in character for Locke to become enraptured with an unbeatable thing. Yeah. Because he kind of has a god complex. Yeah. For sure. And, like, you can see that in the smile that he has after he finally beats it as yeah. well. He's, like, so excited that he, he finally did it. And I think that he finally puts together once he starts seeing i don't think i can say i don't think we know his name yet um but like Candleman, uh the uh dharma initiative uh, orientation guy when he finally sees him and like he kind of can put together after mikhail puts the knife to his neck that he lied to me yeah <laughs> you know but yeah no i definitely agree now that you've said that that like he wasn't necessarily handed like it it, it is in character for him to do that my problem is when like he's supposed to be like watching mikhail and he's like lying there on the ground and Locke instead of watching him goes and plays the game again that's the part yeah, that annoys that's me. stupid yeah well I think he's learned well he learned his lesson in the hatch that nothing nothing on that island just happens not for a reason you know right so if, if God put a, a video game there that he's been told that like, you can't beat okay well there's got to be a reason why I have to sit here and beat this you exactly know? it's like if there I'm was already a- impressed with him for knowing how to play chess <laughs> 
<laughs> I do not. Yeah, my, my cousin, when she was eight years old, taught me how to play. I don't remember how to do that no more. Yeah, <laughs> same. So yeah, Locke is very confident that they're, they're going to get somewhere. And I'm like, okay, Locke, I know that it was important for him to have multiple people, but I'm also like, if you wanted to, do, to go and do this for like days and days, you should have done this by yourself because what? everyone else is like, I can't believe I'm here just following this stick. Exactly. Well, I'm kind of thinking, like, they went for two days just going on one straight bear. Like, at what point were you going to be, like, day three, day four, you're just like, we give up. Or were they just going to walk until they hit water and be like, well, guess your stick was wrong. Let's turn around. Let's go back. Let's turn around. <laughs> I genuinely wonder if they were. Yeah. At some point, Russo would have been like, can I go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, like, nothing going on here. Like, I know, yeah, she's like, I I was promised my daughter, so, like, when you find her, let me know, I guess. My main question is, what do they do all day while they're walking? Like, what do they think of? They don't, they're not talking at all. They might talk. Yeah, I guess, but, like, when we're, when we're seeing them go, they're not talking. They're just, I'm like, God, I'd be so bored. I think Saeed and Kate talk. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, they must just... I mean, it is an island full of people who like to contemplate their lives. That's true. And Rousseau has had lots of practice just keeping her mind occupied. Exactly. Well, and they could listen to John go on and on and on about how special the island is. So Yeah, true. Exactly. They're like, we know, John. How the lighted stick is leading the way. And like, yeah, okay, we get it. Yeah. And so Saeed's like, okay, well, God, I'm going to find some fruit and then we'll talk about what to do next. And that... that to be honest, might not be following your dumb stick number. Okay? Sorry. Because we know Saeed's not talking about his past all that much, so. Yeah, yep. that's true, that's true. So Saeed gathers his fruit, but then he hears a bell. It's attached to a cow, and he follows it to find the flame. There are several animals at this house, and the eye patch guy that they saw in the pearl. So he hears a bell, grabs the gun, finds a cow, um, and then somebody whistles for the cow, and the cow starts heading off. And Mikhail has multiple cows, and also there's a horse, and then his cat, obviously. And yeah, it's the eye patch guy from the Pearl yep. um, that we saw uh, in in 305. Yeah. It's been a long time now since I watched all of season three, so. Yeah. I am jealous. I'm. How many of his his animals made it? We know his cat did, and I, I think I read on Last Pedia that Damon and Carlton had said that the horse is okay. Don't know about the cows, though. I feel like if the if the cows... Well, yeah, it was kind of a big explosion, wasn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cows can be fast, but not that fast. Yeah, they, and plus they were in an enclosure. Yeah. Oh, but cow, wow. Cows can bust through a fence if they're if they're wanting to. I've been around enough farm animals in my life, and they can... That's true. That's true. They can break through a lot of stuff. If that Those things can move. Yeah. The horse will jump the fence, but the cows, if they were running hard enough. Mm-hmm. So Saeed has everyone else come see the house. He says that it's isolated. He's going to go up unarmed to try and talk to the guy without threatening him. Rousseau says that's dumb, and she survives by not doing this, so she leaves. The minute Rousseau's like, I'm out, I'm like, she's the smartest person on this island. I could not respect Rousseau more. I think this is one of my favorite Rousseau moments of the entire series, is her being like, okay, well... I know. Bye. This is stupid, so I guess I'll see you guys later if you survive. Yep. Well, where are you going? I have no interest in that man inside the house. I have survived on the island precisely by avoiding these types of encounters. I'll wait for you by the stream for those of you who survive. My question is, though, because she's been there, what, is it 16, 17 years, and she said that she's never seen this place before? I call BS. I call big BS. That island's not that big that in those 17 years you haven't explored every little bit of it trying to find your daughter. 
and you have not found this cabin or this, this well, building with farm animals in it. Yeah, that's like, fair. I mean, it is two days away from where she lives. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and she hasn't seen the barracks either that we mentioned at the end of this episode. Yeah. But that's like even farther away. That's like multiple days. But I'm just thinking like if you if you really have not seen this, like how much looking did you really do? Right, right. Like did you go an hour each direction and be like, well, she gone. Yeah. Guess we'll never know. Yeah, I do that with my kids. Oh, I don't know. They're gone. Oh, sorry. Oh, well, we'll have to make another one. Yeah. Yep. So Saeed says that he circled the house. It's isolated and they've got their binoculars looking at it. There's a satellite dish and they say that the size of it would mean there was like thousands of miles of broadcasting. And I mean, that's the point of this station is like, uh, is... Um, talking to the outside world. Mikhail mentions that and we are we kind of see that in the computer that like that's the point of the station. Mm-hmm. It's also fun that it's called the flame and then it bursts into flames at the end of the episode. Ah. They're like, oh, Danielle, is this the radio tower you were talking about? And she's like, does this look like a radio tower? <laughs> no. Like, that's a big old satellite dish. She's like, how stupid do you think I am? <laughs> she's like, no, I've never been here before. They're like, okay, well, we don't know anything about this guy, so let's go ask him. So Saeed's gonna go in unarmed and he's like, just cover me. And Rousseau's like, honestly, goodbye. Saeed's, I'm not doing this. I'm sorry, but like, you want to talk about idiot balls? Saeed going in unarmed. Yeah. Well, for someone that was in the military, like, you would think there's no way in hell he'd be doing that. Exactly. I think, now I just made this up. Okay. But it, I'm going to say that like, Saeed's not used to people thinking the same way that he does. And so I wonder if like, he was like, this is how I would, I would approach it if this was just a random man who owns these cows. You know, but after he starts learning things about Mikhail and it turns out that like their lives have been so similar, I wonder if then he's like, okay, this man thinks a lot like me because we have been, because we have so many of the same life experiences that Mm -hmm. like now, like it's just, it's so ridiculous that he walks in there unarmed, immediately gets shot and then galaxy brain happens and he's like Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. You know, it's like, or you could have just spied on him from the beginning. Right. Yeah. Sit there, wait like a day or two in the bushes. You know, why rush? Yeah. You've you've walked for two days. Why rush into the unknown with some guy with a big building? You don't know what the hell's in there. Right. Right. There, he could have, he could, it could be a full armory in there and then you're dead. Not to have even anything like hidden on you. Like, I don't know. Right. So yeah, Rousseau leaves. And honestly, it is so realistic and in character for her to just bounce. Yeah. And I just, I love that about her. Oh, yeah. they, they're not going to force Rousseau into this when they know that Rousseau would just leave. Yep. And also, who doesn't want a break from walking for two days? She's like, I'll hang out by the little river, like the creek, I think she says. That sounds and I'm so like, peaceful that sounds for fun. her. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to take a bath. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see her relaxing in any sort of way. No. But I still think it would be nice. Yeah, she's just like hanging out there going, these people are stupid. <laughs> I'm gonna go set some traps, guys. Like, I'll just be, I'll, I'll, I'll be out in the woods. Like, yes. Yeah. Don't pick up any yeah. random baby dolls if you see them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's oh me. God. That's mine. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's mine. Yeah. <laughs> so Evie said in the Lost on Location that Kate knew that she was walking herself into a trap. And I'm like, well, why, why did Hell, she do it? Yeah. <laughs> because Saeed wanted to? I don't know. I guess. So Saeed goes in and gets pretty much immediately shot. Um, Mikhail yells out that he did not cross the truce line. And why is he here? Saeed explains that he was in the plane crash. Um, Kate and Locke back up Saeed. And Mikhail says that he's the last living member of the Dharma Initiative. Which is like, like we know that it's not true. But, like, what a perfect thing to smash the commercial for. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole mic drop for sure. You're like, oh, we're learning about the Dharma Initiative. And you're like, no, that's later. Yep. So Saeed goes, hands held up. He sees the cat, which, of course, is relevant to the flashback. So I think 
sometimes the flashbacks on this show are like something that you can tell that the character's actually remembering and then sometimes they're not. Yeah. I think in this instant it is something that Saeed's actually remembering and I think seeing that cat is what brings it what triggers him. that yes. that flashback for him. Mm-hmm. So Saeed actually does genuinely get shot. Kate wants to run and help but Locke knows that she would just get hurt too. This is so funny to me that like Saeed walks up after Russo was like, no, this is how you get killed. No, goodbye. And like, I just imagine Russo having taken 30 paces north or whatever, and then was, and then heard a gunshot and was like, oh, I All liked right. that guy. No. <laughs> she's walking away. She's like, I told them. Should have listened to me. I told them. Man, that guy was my friend. He was like the first guy that I saw in like 16 years. So, oh, well. He fixed my music box. He fixed my music box. Mikhail says that he didn't go against the truce. He's telling us that he's Dharma and not the others, which of course he calls the hostiles, which is something that I mention a lot that I really like about this show is that other characters don't have the same names for the others or the hostiles or whatever that some of them do because no one just like has a universal name for something that you haven't heard from anywhere, you know? So I just, I really like that um, our, our heroes call them the others because... Danielle calls them the others, but like the Tailies don't call them the others because why would they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that Mikhail also has a thing where he doesn't call them the others, even though he is one. In reality, Mikhail totally knows exactly who they are. Well, and the one thing I thought of like right off the bat was, did he know that they were coming? Like, why would he be in that jumpsuit? You know? Right. To, to play off that character that I, I am from the Dharma Nation of like, like, I don't think he's just randomly walking around with it all the time. Like, did he know that, like, he had to have known that they were, that they saw him on that surveillance film in, um, in the Pearl. Right, in the Pearl, yeah. Right, because why else would he be in that jumpsuit already for when they showed up? Right, I also wonder if, like, maybe Ben, having known that Sawyer and Kate had gone away, was like, just be ready for that. Yeah. Because Kate's definitely going to try and come back and they might find you or something or like you know maybe clue when she got there was like hey put this on or something Mm -hmm. or like i just wonder how much maybe clue saw them before like in the jungle or something i mean she was on a horse would probably be hard for her to like stealth away from saeed you know what i mean but yeah but like yeah because i think he was wearing the jumpsuit on the pearl camera too i was just i i was just gonna try to quickly Yeah. To see if he was wearing that, like so. In my mind's eye, he was. Yeah. Like, is that just his normal garb? He's like, I just pretend that I'm in this all the time. Maybe that's all he has. Yeah. I mean, when when Kate goes down into the when Kate and Saeed go down into the little basement thing, don't they see like a bunch of uniforms and stuff? Yeah. Maybe that is. There's a whole line of jumpsuits down there. Maybe that's all he has. They look kind of comfortable. I mean, you've worn one. It's like wearing pajamas all day. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's like doing farm work in his pajamas. Respect. But yeah, Locke was right. He knew that they were coming. He said that in in 305 and he knew and here here they are. Andrew Divoff is the man who plays Mikhail. um, And in the Lost in Location, he like brings them into um, his little house. And it's significantly less cozy than it looks. It's very, very like open. And Andrew Divoff is delightful. I found the Lost in Location just on YouTube. If you want to search Enter 77 Lost in Location. Because it was one of those like Walmart ones where it wasn't on my... I hate that kind of crap. And I just wanted to say that's unfair because I paid like $350 for that Blu-ray. Like I should have every single bonus feature, but go on, Mm -hmm. I guess. But yeah, he just like is like walking you around. He he seems like a very nice person, which I like about him. Um, So Saeed says he was in the plane crash. Um, Locke and Kate ambush him. He loses his gun. 
Locke goes inside and he says that his name is Mikhail Bakunin and he's the last living member of the Dharma Initiative. And that is the same name as the Russian revolutionary anarchist. So um, they didn't even just give him the same last name. They like gave him the full name of like a person. Just I mean, he's looking John Locke in the face. Yeah. Basically, you know. And we will talk a little bit more about the real Mikhail um, in the spoiler section. So Mikhail helps Saeed inside. He gets the bullet out of Saeed's shoulder and explains his life and his background. Um, Locke looks around at his house, finds his computer. He has a chess game on it. And Locke, who loves games, wants to play. Playing video games. Mikhail continues to explain how he joined the Dharma Initiative and what happened with the Purge and why he's still here and stuff like that. So most of the things I'm going to mention are just kind of like things that he said. But if anyone, uh, feel free to interrupt me if you have thoughts. Okay. So Mikhail helps Said in. He also has military experience. He says that he was in field medicine in the Soviet army. And he asks Kate to get the first aid kit. And of course she doesn't want to, but Said like seems to trust him. Or if he doesn't trust him really, he's like knows that he won't do anything because Mikhail thinks that Said should trust him. You know what I mean? Like Mikhail thinks that he's doing a really good job with this deception that why would Mikhail go against his deception so quickly? Yeah. Just really killing it. Yeah. So he's pretty sure that like, he's not going to hurt him while Kate is in the kitchen, basically. Jesus. I grew up in Kiev and joined the Soviet army. I was stationed at a listening post in Vladivostok. After the cold war, after we lost the cold war, my unit was decommissioned. I was dismissed from my life in the military. And after years of conducting unpleasant actions against our enemies, I found myself wanting to do something good. So I replied to a newspaper advertisement. An advertisement? Would you like to save the world, Adrian? I don't know how much of this is true because he speaks like fully to Saeed's heart. He's basically just regurgitating Saeed's backstory back to him. And like, like, how does he know these things? Well, and it seems like a lot of... They know a lot. It seems like a lot of his backstory, like his military backstory is true, but also the Dharma stuff. His dad talks about, it's like, wasn't there just a newspaper article that said, don't don't you want to save the world and here I am being a janitor? Uh, right. Yeah, that's dad. That's spoilers. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting that he, he knows what the newspaper advertisement would say because... Um, on the like official Lost podcast, I think it was Damon and Carlton who said that it, all of it was true except for the Dharma stuff. So it just like happened to be a coincidence that like their backgrounds were so similar, I guess. Oh, okay. But it sure pulls Saeed in, the, I guess, to at least try to have him start trusting him. Yeah, exactly. So we go to the typewriter. Locke finds the stuff that's in the typewriter and it's written in Russian. I'm not going to tell you like the full English translation, but having looked at it, it seems to me that he's writing a story about his time in the Russian military, um, as far as I can tell. And it was about like when they were fighting the war against some Muslim fighters, he uses some Arabic words and talks about the Pakistani inter-services intelligence. So, I mean, that's what it seems like his story's about. Yeah. And then the red notes that he wrote in the margins say, my name is also Andre, and I have forgotten so much about Afghanistan. Those are the th two things that he wrote in red in the margins. Mm -hmm. um, so on Lostpedia, they had some thoughts on that. They said, um, Andre, also transliterated as Andre, these are two different spellings, um, is a common Russian variant of the name Andrew. Um, the name Andrew is of Greek origin. It means man or warrior. And the name of the actor who plays Mikhail is named Andrew. And then 
one of the names that he used in it was Naji, and it's similar to Najiv, which is Saeed's cover-up name in the episode. I wondered where that name came from. Mm-hmm. Do you do, like? Do you know where he got that from? No. Okay. I don't know, but uh, the name that they that he uses in this like Russian typewriter thing that he's writing has a similar name. Okay. In it, um, and then it says there are no gross errors in the paper, but for a native Russian speaker, its style seems to create an impression that it has been written by a foreigner. And I, I think that that's probably maybe a props thing rather than a Mikhail is a foreigner thing. Mm-hmm. It also said on Lastpedia, it could be argued that the style of the document indicates that it's a professional historical account and not a personal note, which would be more casual in tone. The letter could possibly be a novel that Mikhail has been writing in isolation while in the flame. That's the interpretation that I got having read the English translation. Okay. Was that he was writing a story. So that's all the stuff on the on that like Russian Little... thing that he had in the typewriter. Yep. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean for the story or anything other than like it seems like he really is Russian because he has all of these Russian things. Like yeah. I wonder if that, that might be the only um He felt like, authentically reason. Russian. Yeah. The only reason for them showing that was to tell us that he is actually Actually genuinely Russian. So he says that the Dharma Initiative is very secretive, rich, and smart. Um, and then Kate finds just like a whole lot of meat. So I guess he's been eating his cows. <laughs> just finds a whole lot of meat. Yeah. That's a hell of a sentence. Yeah. Um, he says that he's been there for 11 years. He likes computers and working alone. So he was assigned to the flame. All right. And he says that it is for communicating with the outside world. Uh, Locke finds a chess game on the computer and begins to play. And it has, like, a similar little, like, thing as the swan computer. So it has, like, that one, like, arrow that's pointing to the right and then the colon that the the swan computer had when you had to put in the numbers. Um, Locke, when he sees a computer, I must press every button. (laughs) He sees the camera up there and I'm like, oh, is that the one that he turned off? And it is. Yeah. Um, because you can see like his computers and stuff behind Locke. And that was in the background when they saw him in, uh, in 305. Mm -hmm. Um, but the light is back on the red light. Like he had turned it off. So who turned it back on? I don't know. I'm like, does that indicate that somebody is like at the Pearl watching them right now? (gasps) Yes. Because my brain says that like, why would, why would Mikhail in that moment where it turned on turn and turn it. it off? Yeah. If, if something hadn't changed, you know what I mean? If there was no red light or there wasn't usually a red light or anything, then he turns and he notices the red light. That's why you turn it off. Why would you turn it off in that moment unless something had changed? Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes me think that Ben or somebody is in the Pearl watching Locke and watching their interaction right now, knowing that Locke's sight and Kate are there. I mean, I like given that. Ben's obsession for Locke, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Well, and that like, I don't know, Miss Clue or something had said. And then found a way. I wonder then, how did no one ever find, probably, and I'm assuming they would be the exact same cameras in the Swan Station, right? Mm-hmm. I would assume that they would have been the exact same ones, because it was all set up to the same feeds, right? They could have watched them there, too. Right, and how? And, and was there no red light on there? Because exactly. when we saw Jack in there, we didn't see him at all. Like, like you just he just didn't notice. No. But old so. Patchy there, he sure saw that and knew that that was watching him. Right, immediately. At that exact second. Mm-hmm. Right, because he likes computers and communications, I guess. Yeah, stuff. I like that theory. <laughs> I, I literally just, I didn't even have that in my notes. I just came up with that because yeah. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like how, like why would he turn it off in that moment unless something was different? Mm-hmm. So Mikhail explains the purge and how the hostiles killed 
dharma but he wouldn't participate so he so they let him stay um and that's like exactly what rousseau is doing right now is she's like i'm living because i'm not participating in whatever you guys are doing he puts on his glasses even though he has one eye which is delightful and he's farsighted he needs to them to see up close really cute because uh sawyer is also farsighted um because he needs glasses so he can read so he says that that day four men appeared in the yard and offered him a truce. So four, obviously. I think it's weird and like this is not true because he didn't join the Dharma Initiative and he was always one of the others. But like it's weird to me that like the hostiles would come and offer a truce to him. You know, it feels like they would come and like try and hurt him and then he would be the one to be like, wait, 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 can we have a truce because I'm not part of this? It's weird that the hostiles would show up and have a truce. I don't believe that at all. Not that, I mean, I know it's not true, but that's uh, unbelievable to me. Um, and so he's like, yeah, the, the thing was don't pass the line and then we're good. They took two cows and I never saw them again. So, uh, well, great. So Kate asks about the satellite. He says that it doesn't work and that the hostiles have been there for a really long time. And then he gets the bullet out of Saeed's arm. And that's that super long scene. Mikhail starts stitching Saeed up and reveals that his cat's name is Nadia. Um, that's, of course, an important name to Saeed, but his cat is named after a gymnast that Mikhail loves, not um, Saeed's ex-girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Just thought we'd be really clear here. Yeah. He offers to get them iced tea as an apology. I wish. Sure, man. That sounds great. Sorry, I shot you. Here's I see no no beer, no beer. Yeah, <laughs> come on, not man. even a beer. Yeah, Saeed was, didn't even get to be there to drink Sawyer's beer. Um, so Mikhail got the bullet out and starts stitching him back up, and then his cat scratches the rug. And what he says in Russian, um, it said on Lostpedia, could be translated as "Leave the rug, Nadia." So he's basically just saying, "Hey, quit it, you." Yeah. And then of course Saeed recognizes that name. At this point, if I was Saeed, and I think that he is, but if I if I was Saeed at this point, I would be super suspicious. I'd be like, why is this man speaking specifically to my soul? You know, like yeah. all of the things he's saying mean something to me. And not only that, his cat is named Nadia, which is a really important name to me. It's so strange to learn that none of this was a lie other than the Dharma thing. But like all the things that were relevant to Saeed's life were just true. Yep. Like, that's crazy. If I was Saeed, I'd be like, some of some of this you're lying to make me trust you. So he's like, oh, I was telling my cat to be polite because you're my guests. After not having guests for years and years and years, apparently. I guess. So he named the cat after Nadia Comaneci um, because he has the same birthday as her. Um, and he thinks that she's just like the greatest athlete ever. Sure. Like he even has a photo up of her. That's how much he loves her. And I relate to that. I really love Amelia Earhart. <laughs> it's true you do. She's so cool. She is like your obsession. I love her. Yep. So I've got some stuff about Nadia Comaneci from Wikipedia if you'd like to learn more about her. Sure. Let's do it. So she is Robin a, looks at me like, I'm like, hello, me. ask me about Nadia Comaneci. I did some work. So she is a Romanian retired gymnast and five-time Olympic gold medalist, all in individual events. In 1976, at the age of 14, Comaneci was the first gymnast to be awarded a perfect score 10 out of 10 at the Olympic Games. That's crazy. Yeah. At the same games... Um, which was the 1976 Summer Olympics in Montreal. She received six more perfect tens for events en route to winning three gold medals. At the 1980 Summer Olympics in Moscow, Kamenechi won two more gold medals and attained two more perfect tens. During her career, Kamenechi won nine Olympic medals and four World Artistic Gymnastics Championship medals. Holy Ka shit. Yeah, Kamenechi is one of the world's best known gymnasts and is credited with popularizing the sport around the globe. In 2000, she was named as one of the athletes of the 20th century by the Laureus 
World Sports Academy. Okay. I'm kind of upset that I've never heard of her now. Yeah. Yeah. I knew she was crazy young when she won all those gold medals. Like I, Yeah. Because, like, I know, like, gymnasts and figure skaters, their peak is, like, 15 years old, which is just insane to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah, ha- like, I can't even imagine. I mean, absolutely respect to the uh, incredible athletes who devote their lives to that. Yeah. But, like, I can't imagine having done that when I was, like, that young. Like, no. I, I simply, all I did was read books. Uh, like, could not be me. So, in relation to Mikhail... Uh, that makes his birthday November 12th, because that is the same birthday as Nadia Comaneci, um, which makes me Kyle a Scorpio. <gasps> that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and in 1967, Nadia Comaneci joined a newly formed gym club called The Flame. <gasps> Ooh. That one was on purpose. Oh I guarantee. God. I guarantee that one was on purpose. Do you think purpose. they named The Flame after that? Either that or like they chose her. They chose of the that? flame, or they chose yeah. her because of the flame. And like, and her name was Nadia, and it was like sweet, perfect. You know that that, that was yeah. On that's like one of those sure. things where like you learn more and more, and you're like, yeah. this was meant to be. And then I think he said something else in Russian at this point in the scene, but it doesn't say on Laspedia what he said in that one. Okay, yeah, sorry. I have a lot of Russian translations, but not that one for some reason. Uh, and then Mikhail offers to get the iced tea, which is very nice. Sure. So Locke lost his first game of chess. Mikhail comes to him and says that it's impossible to win because the computer cheats. Locke, of course, is just still is still gonna try. Locke was like, that's an invitation. Thank you. Also, like, I can't imagine like 77 days. I mean, he did, I guess, technically have a computer, but like it must be fun to like get to play a, a computer game. Well, just take your mind off of something else, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and he like if he's th- sitting there thinking there's not an extra purpose to this. Right, exactly. And um, like he had a computer when he worked at like that office too, you know? So yeah. like I bet, you know, he probably spent some time playing games on that computer too. Um, so Locke lost his first game and I'm like, oh, come on. He just likes playing games. He's just little. He, he just loves a good puzzle. Like he really loves backgammon. It makes sense to me that he would like chess. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I have such a soft spot for Locke in this episode. He just likes games. Yeah. <laughs> so Mikhail says that he's been trying to win for 10 years and has, has never won. Um, it was programmed by three grandmasters and it cheats. And Locke says that computers can't cheat and that's what makes being human so wonderful. I'm like, cheating? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cheating is what makes humans wonderful? I wonder, you know how he's like, it cheats? Uh Uh-huh. Who's he playing against then? What do you mean? Like, if he thinks the computer cheats, is it either an invitation for Locke to play it? Or, like, what does he mean? I think, like, he means that, that the computer, like, does moves that wouldn't technically be, like, allowed. Okay. And stuff like that. Like, it, 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 it's was programmed by three grandmasters, but, like, they programmed it in so that, like, it thought certain rules were okay. not allowed or something like that. That's my guess. Because, like, I was thinking, like... Programmed to never lose? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, like, that was, like, implying, like, he was, like, playing Walt or something. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't... Not that I not that I know of. Because okay. Walt, is, Walt is off the island at this point. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Walt's gone. On Laspedia, it said... In Locke's first game with the computer, the position at the end is not checkmate. The move made by the computer is queen to g3, which does not even put Locke's king on f1 in check. But maybe this is why Mikhail said the computer cheats. Oops. So it just said, hey, checkmate. And Locke was like, and it wasn't even checkmate. But I'm not done yet. Yeah. So on the Lostpedia page for this episode, there's just a whole bunch of chess people who have posted like bloopers about each of these chess games on the Lostpedia page. If you guys want to check it out, I'm not out here trying to be like, well, actually, your queen on seven three or whatever, you know. Seven three. I, I mean, you know, if you love chess, respect to you, but um, I don't know. That means nothing that. to me. Yeah. So I, I don't want to. I just remember some, some pieces can only move some ways. And... Yeah. Yeah. 
too confusing for me personally. Yeah. I'll take checkers, checkers, man. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, all of us are very simple. Yeah. But yeah, if you guys are like into chess and you want to go check it out, there's like every time you see the like every time you see the the computer of Locke having played chess or whatever somebody has been like actually yeah <laughs> which, which I love um so go ahead and check it out if you want to Mikhail just lets him keep playing even though there's like obviously like important stuff on that on that computer um because I guess he's just like confident that Locke won't win and also because like it's better to not have Locke occupied with something else mm-hmm Oh, true. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's better to have Locke be doing something else so that he doesn't have like another person in there with him. Ben like goes to Mikhail and he's like, make sure this guy is doing something really menial. Yeah. <laughs> However, I do have to say, and I know that Locke, it's been a while, but it's very rude to just show up and go on someone's computer without asking. So <laughs> true. It's like going into someone's kitchen and starting eating the food. Yeah. Like Locke literally shows up and is like, you got games on your phone? Oh, wait, why is he that? Locke is that person who would have like an iPad mini and just like <laughs> play it all the time. Like luckily Mikhail seems pretty chill about it. But if I was Mikhail, I'd be like, excuse me, how freaking rude. Exactly. <laughs> Kate bandages Saeed's arm and has suspicions about why Mikhail would be left alone. Saeed agrees. He's definitely one of the others and he's likely not alone. So they have to just like keep playing house for a little bit longer. He's so smart. Yeah. Kate looks shook. I know. She's like, doesn't really make sense that they would let him stay here. And he's like, yeah, you're right. He's fully an other. And she's like, huh? <laughs> yep. What's wrong? It just, it doesn't make any sense. Why would they let him stay here? All this stuff, all this equipment. Actually, it makes perfect sense. What are you talking about? The reason they let him stay here is because he is not Dharma. He is one of them. He shot you and you just let him. are sitting here, Kate, because I am certain he is not alone. Right now, we're, like, really chilling right now, because he's he's definitely not alone, but if they let on to him that they know, then they're screwed. Yeah. I really do love this shot of him just, like, making iced tea in the background, though. Just, just doing little homemaker things. And I love the idea that Stephen Williams, the director, was like, hey, Andrew, can you just, like, very innocently make iced tea? In the back, please. And he was like, absolutely. <laughs> Mikhail brings them iced tea and gives them some more information. Uh, he's basically just like a bank. If, if I was Andrew in this episode, I'd be like, that sure is a lot of lines. Yeah. That sure is a little huge info dump. Well, you, right. Okay, I have to memorize yeah. all of this. And you better not have made none of that American iced tea that tastes like crap. You gotta make that good Canadian stuff full of sugar. Yeah, he literally you says the sugar. He literally says that it tastes like crap. He literally is like, "Hey, sorry, it's bitter. I grow the tea myself." Ugh. Which is very impressive, but like, ew. But so like, dude, where's the sugar? So one thing I always forget when I go down to the states, go to a daddy's and order yeah. ice. Oh no, this is gonna oh, taste. No. Like, it's cold tea. Damn. Yeah. It's literally just cold tea. It's like, shit. you have to remember, sweet tea. Yeah. Mm, it's sweet tea. I know, but then sometimes they bring you sweet tea and you're like, I'm like, this is not it. They don't, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Americans, you don't do iced tea right. No, not Once at all. Once all of this is over, if you guys have never been to, to Canada, or even if you have been to Canada, but you haven't tried our iced tea, um, next time you're in Canada, um, order iced tea. It's the best. Yeah. And get a coffee crisp. Because they, yeah. they don't have those down there either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a bag of ketchup chips. Yeah. And some friggin' poutine. Get yeah. some Costco poutine. You won't regret it. So you talked about how the hostiles stole their boat and Mikhail is like tired of playing this game. He attacks them and Kate eventually knocks him out. Thanks to Locke for playing chess in the other room and not helping at all. Like he first heard a commotion and he was like, oh, that's weird. I absolutely love this. I noticed last night when we were rewatching that like 
he he walks back with his iced tea and Kate and Saeed are just sitting there like blinking and being like, Haha, hello, and just doing their like little smiles, like very mm-hmm. innocent. Everything is fine. You saw nothing. <laughs> and uh, Mikhail is very clearly just really leaning into the, hello, I am simply a nice farmer man who loves gymnastics and also cats. I don't think that's true. And if I could, I would run a bed and breakfast. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's an aspiring B&B over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I love that because uh, each of the others are just like, hey, I'm just a normal, totally normal person. Like, uh, friendly, just like, doesn't like blood and enjoys football. And Ben is like, I'm just a simple balloon enthusiast. And, <laughs> and Mikhail's like, I like making iced tea, farming, gymnasts. And cat. The more dull a person is that you meet on the island, the more ominous they are. Yeah. yeah. Like they met Rousseau and they're like, you're insane. Yeah. So you must be a normal person. Yeah, you must be trustworthy. <laughs> you're not trying to hide anything. So Kate's just excited to see ice. And I'm like, was there not a fridge in the hatch? I feel like, do we ever see a fridge? Like, it makes sense to me that they wouldn't have like sent those pallet drops with any perishables in them, I guess. Well, yeah, of course. Because that, that ranch dressing was, wasn't the expiry date and said it was good for like 23 years and it didn't need to be refrigerated? Yeah, or something. How is that yeah. possible? Yeah. I think the only fridge in the hatch was like for the like immunizations that Desmond was using. Mm-hmm. I think he got those from a fridge, if I can remember 201 properly. Yeah, you can't be putting your milk in there. Yeah. Can you, right. imagine, can you imagine if you were Desmond and all of a sudden you got like a vaccine that said like Pfizer and you're like, what's this for? Yeah. <laughs> and you've like missed the entire pandemic. Yeah. COVID-19. Throw this bullshit out. <laughs> so Saeed brings up the wires and asks about the one that like went into the ocean that he found in season one. Mikhail gives them like actual answers. Yeah. That are like, that we, we end up finding out are like actually pretty true. Like he's giving them accurate answers and I'm not really sure why other than like we need to know these things story-wise. But also, like, lies are more believable when sprinkled with a bit of truth. Yeah, that's true. Um, So he says that that wire goes to an underwater beacon that sends pings to, like, the vessels. And so we hear about the submarine again. Um, and they're like, oh, the hostiles are probably using them, uh, or using it because it was used to bring Dharma to the island. And then Said brings up the boat, like the Elizabeth, and how they stole it and how they must have used the submarine for that. Mm-hmm. And Mikhail's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And Saeed's like, yeah, well, at least we killed one of them. And then just, like, stares at him, like, to see, I guess, if he, like, already knew that they died or, like, would be upset by the fact that he brings up that someone died. I was like, does does he, like, know Colleen very well? Like, what exactly made this the last straw for Mikhail to be like, why are we still doing this? Was it the was it him saying we killed one of them? I, I think so. Yeah. And, and I guess Mikhail, like, knew Colleen and so was now upset that he said that or something. Or, like, knowing that Saeed was the one who was, like, there for that or something. Or he felt insulted that Saeed was being so obvious about right. it. Right. Oh, sure. Because Saeed kind of was being Right, obvious. and he, like, looked straight at him. And if I was Kate, I'd be like, I thought we were being chill. <laughs> like, if he was, like, saying that to our normal person, they'd be like, why are you so intense about killing people? Yeah. That's kind of weird, dude. Why did he give them all this info right before now if he knew why they were asking? Mm -hmm. I just think that that's weird. Uh, Knowing, like, I know that it was just for narrative reasons, but, like, hmm, I'm just wondering. Yeah, the whole time he was very open with everything. Like, he talked about how he got into the the Darby Initiative, but then that talks about the submarine and the underground station and everything. Like, you didn't have to tell him that. If Miss Clue was upstairs, she'd be like, Mikhail, shut up. Shut the hell up. Like, if Ben is watching from the Pearl or whatever, he's probably like, Mikhail, what the hell, man? Wires, what wires? That's all you have to say. However, I don't think it has 
sound? Does it? I'm trying to remember later episodes of us being in the Pearl and if we're listening to things. I don't remember. So he throws the iced tea and attacks. Um, he seems like a pretty experienced fighter, um, but so is Saeed. And so they're like pretty evenly matched. Saeed smashes him into a chair. And from the Lost on Location, it looks like both Mikhail and Saeed both had stunt doubles. But Evie did her own stunts because classic Evie. Yeah. She's such an Alberta girl. Yeah. With a swift kick in the face. <laughs> yep. So Kate has her gun on him and then Locke comes out with his too. You know what, Locke? Thanks so much for everything. I absolutely love this moment so much. <laughs> but like there's this huge commotion and Locke's just in the back being like, ah, well, I have like two moves left. Can I just finish my game and then come out? Well, that's what, that's what I wrote down. I'm like, Evie's the one that takes him down with a kick in the face and then... Here comes Dorky Locke, like, I'm just playing my video games. What's going on? Yeah. He opens, he opens the door and he's like, whoa, what's happening? Like, he looks so surprised. It's so funny. Bringing that home for Canada. There we go. Yeah. So Saeed wants him tied up and there is our knockout. One of our segments is, was anybody knocked out this episode or how long since the last knockout? Um, Saeed gets knocked out off island but one of our things is that it has to be on island and like present day like not in the flashbacks um but luckily there's also a knockout on island so we are in fact down to zero on the knockout counter they get mikhail all tied up and talk about the other person who must be here and where to look saeed has discovered a trapdoor under the rug that they are going to investigate iconic so saeed's doing some genuine sherlock stuff i he says that the horse is tied up for someone that's shorter than Mikhail, so it must be for someone who's here. And Locke's like, oh, maybe it's someone to like keep him company. And they're and Saeed's like, no, it's because they lost communication. And so they need somebody to like give him information, basically. I'm just saying Saeed is once again the smartest person on this island, and the oh. fact that Jack is the leader blows my mind. Well, and even how many times we've all been wa- we've watched that episode and I've never even noticed that still. And I'm someone that yeah. rode a horse for years and I never even <laughs> noticed that. Right, yeah. And, um, you know, I wonder, because Mikhail says, like, oh, the satellite is broken or whatever. And I wonder, oh, he's like, it's been broken for years. And I don't think that's true. I think that it's just broken because the, the communications are currently down. And we know that it is actually broken because, like, um, Pierre says on the, um, on the video that it is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't think it's been broken for very long. Yeah, Friendly said that ever since they since the explosion, they lost communications. Locks says that he checked everywhere, so they must be really hi- hiding really well. And <laughs> I'm like, no, you didn't. You played chess. <laughs> Honestly, anyone says anything and Locks like, huh? Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I was playing chess. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the absolutely iconic line of not every nook and cranny, John. Not every nook and cranny, John. And that's not iconic when you just like watch it and you're like, oh yeah, good one, Saeed, or no. whatever. But- there's a really famous blooper in the season three bloopers of um, Saeed just screaming, not every nook and cranny, John, that makes it iconic. Like over and over and over again, because yeah. he can't get the line right. Or and he can't get the, the drama of the line right. Well, I think he's also just trying to like, Mess I think some, yeah, sometimes they're just like messing around. And then, um, and then Terry says, good God, Holmes, which totally makes sense because Saeed's totally being Sherlock in this scene. Well, if there's anyone else here, they're hiding pretty good. I... I checked every nook and cranny. Not every nook and cranny, John! <laughs> Good God, Holmes! Uh, yeah, but it's a trapdoor under the rug. Said is so good. He's guessing everything correctly. There's, like, and, like, sure. But all of you guys were were in here... So I'm like, my guess is that Saeed stepped on it and it made like a sound or something. Or he would have felt that hand. And that's how he knew it was down there. Yeah. That, the, uh, like the hand lock, right? 
Because that's going to create yeah, exactly. a dip. If you walk over that, you're going to feel that. Yeah, I man, I should have gone back and like watched for when he walked into the into the room to see if he walked over it. Because I would think that that was something that um, Stephen Williams would have thought of and would have had him step on that in the moment. You think that all these guys that wrote this show ever thought years later they're still going to be like, hey, I bet you, let's go back and see if he walks on that hatch door. <laughs> and what are we, like 13 years since it aired? Like, oh yeah, look at that sure shit they did. Probably not, but also, um, hey, y'all made a really good show. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's that's the, one of the reasons why I love the show is that they, they they all the detail that went into it. Like that we can go back and like, oh, you know, that that happened. That did happen. They did do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They truly did put in the effort to make it consistent, and I just I cannot appreciate it enough. No, not like when I watch shows now, and I'm like, they, the guy wasn't even looking down at the ground when they cut shots, and now he's looking at the sky. I'm like, oh my god, you yeah. guys, you can't even do these a 30-minute sitcom right. Right, a right. 30-minute sitcom. Oh. Kate and Saeed look around under the house. Locke, instead of watching Mikhail, goes back to playing chess. He finally wins the game, but then Candleman shows up on the screen. There are several things that Locke can do on the computer, but he doesn't get to them because Mikhail is up and he has a knife to Locke's throat. Underneath, Kate gets attacked by Miss Clue, who is the other person that Saeed's been talking about. They get her under control and head back up. Mikhail just wants to trade their two hostages, but Clue yells at him in Russian to kill her. Um, He shoots her, but is unable to shoot himself, and he asks Saeed to do it, but Saeed won't do it. So did they translate that Russian? Yes. Yes! Certainly. Because that was a long conversation. It was, for sure. And, oh, I have something interesting about that when we we get there. So Kate and Saeed go under it. All of these things on it say the flame, so we know that that's true for sure. Yeah. The computer wants Locke to play some more, and he's very tempted by it. They find explosives, but they don't know why. We'll find out mm. later. Locke keeps playing. Locke, you know better than this. I, I definitely agree with you, Brittany. I was like, ugh, Locke, you're so stupid. But I agree. It's completely in character that Locke would want to play this game and would want to be special. Yep. And he feels like playing this game is his destiny because he was led here by that... Like that compass bearing. Yep. This, Every, but this him, part, everything is fate. But this, where he just like leaves Mikhail when he's the only one looking after him. Yeah, it, he just leaves him easy. on the ground. It that's easy. that. That's no, that's inexcusable. At yeah. least, at least drag him over here. Keep a foot on his chest or something. Exactly. Do you think Locke would have cared as much about the game if if he wouldn't have been told? That no one that he's never beaten it before. No, no, no. And that was like, I can't tell if Mikhail said that so that he would beat the game, or said that just to like keep him occupied. Yeah. Like, does Mikhail has Mikhail actually like he has to have right? Yeah, he definitely said it as a challenge. Yeah. yeah. I think even for like even if he didn't know anything about Locke, it would be interest an interesting sort of like psychological experiment of Mikhail's to be like, what do you do when you put this puzzle in front of? A human being right well and it's a good way to even out numbers a little bit for him instead of it being a three-on-one at least now it's two-on-one because right. exactly his buddy's occupied in the other room playing a video game right and it's like i wonder if mikhail has some sort of like code or something to bypass the chess game so that he can talk to pierre and get those things done faster mm-hmm. right because like sometimes you need to talk to people and you don't have time to play a chess game right yeah well and that's what i, I wrote down too like because you have to yeah. order your your um your palate drops through that. I'm like, there's no way that they're going to make him play a chess game every time the guy just wants some milk and some bread, you know? Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, he has a he has a fridge. Yeah. But Desmond doesn't get one. So they find Dharma notebooks, lots of, like, files and stuff about food drop protocol, operations manual, um, and stuff like that. Locke wins the game and feels very accomplished about it. He's very special. I know that I wasn't going to talk about chess, but apparently this one's important. Okay. On Lostpedia, it said... Locke's winning checkmate move is not actually checkmate. Um, Both whites 
knight at d2 and its bishop at g2 can block the attacking rook at e1. However, Locke can deliver checkmate in two moves with... Good God. I don't know. It's something, 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 something. (laughs) Let me see. Look at this. Oh, that's a freaking math equation. Get out of here. Yeah. Basically, Locke can deliver checkmate in two moves, though, apparently. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce what those moves are. But it it, looks I'm like sure it, it, says, it, may, it makes sense to people who play Yeah, chess. I think it's like a rook. They're yeah. moving the rook, the queen. Yeah, Q. Then, yeah, yeah. Also, the chess game final position is a rep- repetition of the Karpov-Kasparov match on ni- in uh, 1985, 10, 15. It was the 16th game they played. <gasps> I don't know about that one. That one feels like... Well, actually, no. It, it, it's, it's one in our podcast. It could be... Yeah. The chess game lock played against the computer would have ended with checkmate on move 42. <gasps> no Some way! Some of these things are absolutely insane. I don't know. I I mean, listen, it was probably a coincidence, but what a satisfying yeah. one. I'm just like, man, how long were they down there for? An entire chess game? Those take a long time, right? And if you're playing with a computer, the computer probably moves pretty puff. Yeah, pretty that, fast. that's fair. And yeah, Locke likes to feel special. And Mikhail said that he's been trying for 10 years and has never won. And so Locke is like... Challenge accepted. Thinks that he's the chosen one, as always. Yeah. I'm just sitting here like, so that guy sucks at chess, huh? Manual <laughs> override achieved. For pallet drop, enter 2-4. For station uplink, enter 3-2. For mainland communication... Enter 3-8. The satellite dish is inoperable. Communications are down. For sonar access, enter 5-6. Sonar is inoperable. Has there been an incursion on this station by the hostiles? If so, enter 7-7. At this point, I think Locke should have put together that Mikhail lied. Yes. About having not ever won the chess game. But he's so far in that he can't go back now. So if you want a pallet drop, 2-4. If you want station uplink, 3-2. Mainland communication, 3-8. At this point... My, your heart is racing. Yeah. You've been on this island for 77 days. Yeah. Mainland communication. Oh my God. I'd be clicking that in a hot minute. Exactly. So Locke goes for this one, as would I, obviously. I mean, even Locke is like, I don't want to be, even Locke doesn't want to leave, but he's not going to ruin Strand everyone else there. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, which is growth in itself because he was totally willing to do that in season one. Yep. And, and it's a huge deal and you can see how nervous he is. I, I have praise for Naveen later in that scene with the monologue with um, Amira Mm -hmm. because your monologue has to be strong, obviously, but like your monologue isn't strong without a strong listener. Yeah, someone who you can actually cut to in the middle and you're like, yeah, that person's engaged in this. Yeah, and Naveen is absolutely amazing in that scene. But I think in a similar way, Terry, who doesn't have any lines in this moment, you can see every emotion on his face. You can see exactly what Locke is thinking. And that's a very underrated actor. And that's why Terry has an Emmy. (laughs) Yeah. But like, where is he now? Like, come back. Right, Terry. Uh, I really want a Terry cameo. They're expensive, though. Are they? Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay, but sometimes he'll, like, sing you a song. But he, he sings to you in them. Yeah, he, he does? He, yeah, he does. He plays the guitar. 
No wonder they're expensive. He yeah. puts real time into it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Locke is just back to pressing numbers on a keyboard like he was last season. Pierre says, or Candleman, I guess, says, sorry, the dish is broken and also calms her down. So you can do sonar access for five, six. And he's like, okay, I'll try that. And he's like, ah, sonar's also broken. <laughs> Psych. Great. So what is the point of this? Have the hostiles taken the station? If so, enter seven, seven. And he's going to, but then Mikhail is out of his bindings and threatens him with a knife because I think Mikhail knows what happens, which is like, hey, I'm in this house. We're all in this house. Maybe yep. let's not blow it up. I think he was listening that entire time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I I, am, I personally think that Mikhail was awake the whole time. Like yeah. when, when Locke walked away, Mikhail was awake. I think that's fair. Like he, I think Mikhail heard the computer going, your move or like whatever. Yep. And was like, okay, sweet. And then when he walked away, he was like, here's my moment. And, and, and he knew that his plan had worked having told Locke that he has to win. Yep. You know? Yep. And they know so much. The others know so much about each of them. They know exactly how to manipulate them. Which is very embarrassing. Which is partially, I think, why Mikhail tells his actual life story to Saeed, because he knows Saeed's life story too. Yep. And he wants him to trust him, and it just happened to be true. Well, because you would think Ben would have told him how you can easily manipulate Locke, because he figured it yeah. out so well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Locke just wants to be special, and yeah. Sawyer just wants to be hated. Yeah. Yeah, I said Locke has the idiot ball this episode because Saeed is using all of the brain cells that Rousseau isn't using, <laughs> because they're the smart ones. Yep. So yeah, Kate finds some uniforms, like I said earlier, and then Clue attacks her, but then Saeed totally has it under control and Kate punches her in the face because she recognizes her from the dock at the end of season two. They ask her if there's anyone else here, but she doesn't say. And at this point, Clue knows she's dying today, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. She sacrifices herself. April Grace, who played Miss Clue, revealed in Lost, the official magazine article, that she had to fill in Clue's backstory for herself, and she decided that Clue was a former nun. Oh. What? So I like cool. that. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I, we, we get so little about her, and Damon and Carlton didn't write one, that I'll take that as canon. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. And April Grace was also on TNG a bunch. That's true. Yeah, she was on um, DS9. She played Maggie Hubble. Yeah. And um, wasn't she... I don't know anything else except for that. Yep. <laughs> I was like, don't ask me. I do not know. Yep. <laughs> so they take her back up. But now John is held by Mikhail. And we're like, okay, cool. So we're we're just tied. So let's just switch. Yeah. Um, and Locke says no, because if he wanted to kill him, he'd be dead already. And Mikhail's like, well, I, I will. But Locke's like, no. <laughs> Pass. I love it so much because I was doing my notes and I was kind of just looking at the um at the tr- at the transcripts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I I interpreted it as Locke being like, "No, he won't do it. Don't do it, Saeed. It's totally fine, Saeed." And then watching it, and Locke's like, "No, I don't believe it. <laughs> no, this is stupid. No, he Locke won't do it." Though. And I love how confident he is about that. Yeah. So Locke says like, "If I die, Mikhail gets killed by Saeed. So like, why would he do that? No, yep. he won't do it." Which I love. Okay. Ooh, there's another thing. So in the 15th episode of Lost, the official magazine, Andrew Divoff claimed that he played the shooting of B. Clue as if the two were lovers. I, that makes, no, that makes sense. I got that vibe as well. It's not canon, but that's how he played it. Yeah. And that's really. I I, got that vibe. Yeah. It's like, whoa, cool. I agree with you on that one. Like I can, I can see that too, how they were talking back and forth at the very end, kind of like almost like a final goodbye, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can buy into that. It definitely puts like a new, just a new spin on it for sure. Yeah, I when we were, I was watching it, I was like, oh, is there uh, something here? <laughs> so at the end of uh, every episode in our um, outro, we now say thank you so much to the 
community and creators at Lost Media. And I would specifically like to say thank you to the to whoever translated this uh, Russian in the Lost Pedia transcript. The person who did that said that they both speak with heavy American slash English accents. Not clear if you don't speak Russian though. You know, like you think Mikhail's probably also Russian. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm pretty sure that. Andrew Divoff does such a good job that, like, it makes me think that he must be Russian, but it, it could also be something that he does, like, as a second language or, or something like that. Yeah, at the very least, it's a very good uh, imitation. Yeah. It's not an overdone imitation either, you know? Exactly. <laughs> um, Jinx! Oh. <laughs> okay, podcast over. Here is the translations, unless you want me to shut up. Um, no, I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. Here are the translations. So, clue. Mikhail, Mikhail, you know what to do. Mikhail. We still have another way out. Clue. We cannot risk it. Mikhail. No. Clue. You know the conditions. Mikhail. There is another way. Clue. They captured us. We will not let them into the territory. And then at this point, Locke's the one that's like, make them shut, make them shut up. They yeah, can't, yeah, yeah. why are they talking to each other? Clue says, you know what to do. That's an order. Um, and then in English, she goes, do it, Mikhail. And then Mikhail says in Russian, forgive me. And then he shoots her. This is simple. Send her over to me and I will release him. And we all go our separate ways. Don't listen to him. Shut if he was going to kill me, I'd be dead already. Shut your mouth. Listen to me. Saeed, do not let her go. I will execute you right He's here. not going to do it. Be quiet, I'm John. I'm the only thing keeping him alive. I swear to you. Mikhail. Calm down, everyone. Mikhail! Saeed? I'll handle this, John. John? Don't let her talk to him. Just do it, Mikhail! How does she randomly know Russian, though? I don't know. Like, of all Because they're in love? I don't know. I was gonna say maybe. Maybe she learned it for that one. I don't know. <laughs> it's that one. I mean, we learn later, and this isn't a huge spoiler, but we learn later that Juliet knows Latin because all of the the others know Latin. Oh, that's right. So maybe, um, I don't know, maybe they just know things. Yep, you're maybe right. She, yeah, I don't know. You got me there. On Lostpedia, it said uh, in the official Russian version of the episode, the Russian dialogues that in are like including Mike, Mikhail talking to the cat and everything is redubbed by Russian voice actors. Um, so as a result, it doesn't look like there's any non-English speech. Oh, does that make sense? Like in uh in like the Russian version of the actual episode, yeah, they just redo the whole thing in Russian. And so to the people who are Russian watching it who know that this is a and like an english show just assume there is no russian yeah because um because it's all russian to them i like that actually that's kind of cool so yeah he pushes lock and he shoots clue and you can see kate kind of try and like move to stop it but she's too late and then there's also a fun fact on lustpedia saying that miss clue was originally meant to be shot by sun in the glass ballerina but likely due to the actress's unavailability the character of colleen was created and killed off instead for that but it was supposed to be clue that's interesting And I'm like, I like, I like the addition of Colleen because it makes the, the others more rich, I think. Yeah. Because having like her relationship with Danny is like, is like, just like more then, about their relationship. Yeah. And then you learn who Danny is. Well, and it gives Danny more vengeance too after she dies, right? That's why he goes to try to take out the story. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah. And you get that whole scene. So I really like, I'm glad that that happened. Yeah. Um, so Mikhail then tries to kill himself. 
Uh, but Locke stops him and they fight, but then Saeed knocks him down and um, like points his gun at him. Mikhail asks for him to kill him because like that's part of the plan is that I guess they're both supposed to die. And then Saeed like thinks about it, but ultimately doesn't do it. Okay, almost done here. Long ass A storyline yeah. this episode and like just a huge info dump. That night, Kate is trying to find anything else they need before they go. Locke is, you guessed it, back playing chess. What? Locke, give it up, my man. What? Kate calls for him to come and she like found like batteries or something. And uh, Candleman is like, would you like to enter 7-7? And Locke was not down in the basement when Kate and Saeed discover those explosives. So he doesn't know what that does. And I was like, oh, well, it's night now. So he might've been told. But then later when it happens, he looks so surprised. Yep. So there's no way that he knew or meant to do that. No, absolutely. But didn't they tell him? That's what I thought that they must've told him because it's like night now, right? It's like hours later, but I guess- I like, guess not, because he looks really surprised. Like, yeah, there's a whole boatload of explosives, you know? Like, does that yeah. not come up? Right, right. And then Saeed's like, oh my god, Locke, why did you do that? And Locke is just like, well, they said to enter 7-7 if the hostiles were here, so I entered 7-7. And I'm like, bruh, bruh. <laughs> Decisions got made yeah. there. They weren't the best ones. Locke loves blowing things up. He just loves it. Um, yeah, that's kind of like his hobby, isn't it? Yeah. Saeed calls for Russo and asks Mikhail a few more questions. Saeed reveals that he knows exactly how to get to Dharmaville now. Mikhail says he'll kill him and Russo thinks that they should kill him first, which makes sense to me. Honestly, I get Russo's logic here. So Saeed calls for Russo and asks Mikhail if everything he said was a lie. And he's like, oh, you probably won't answer me. And Mikhail's like, no, I'll answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you know, I love giving you information for some reason. Yeah, no, I was never a member of the Dharma Initiative, but everything else I said was true. Why did he do that? I don't know. <laughs> He was, he was flexing just because he could. And so they start talking about the Purge again, which we have more thoughts about in the, franchise. In, the, in the spoiler section. Um, but he was like, a group of scientists attacked his people. And he's like, you, you don't have to believe me, but I mean, that is what happened. So whatever. I mean, everything I've told you has been the truth. So why wouldn't you believe me? I'm like, because you're an other. Because <laughs> you lie a lot. Yeah. So Rousseau walks up and just assumes that Kate and Locke are dead because they're not here. So she's like, oh, hey. And she's so casual about it, too. It's so funny. She's like, oh, well, I'm glad you made that out. We were friends. And Saeed's like, no, it's fine. But we now have our ticket to find out whatever we want. And Mikhail's like, as if I'm going to help you. (laughs) And Saeed's like, I wasn't talking about you. Idiot. I have a map. Stupid idiot. He has... (laughs) He has a map of all the electric cabling in the barracks must be Dharmaville. And I love that he's fully making eye contact with Mikhail the whole time. And Mikhail's like, I gave you so much information, but this isn't the information that I wanted you to have. So now I'm mad. (laughs) Ah, this is what I found. He's like, I f***ed up. So he says that he's going to kill him at any chance he gets. And he says, you should know this before you make. And then he's cut off. What was he going to say, do you guys think? A mistake. You should know this before you make any more moves. If you make, hmm. I think it's yeah. if you make a mistake. Yeah. If you oh, if you make right, if you make any right, a mistake, or if you make yeah, a mistake makes sense. Uh, and then Rousseau's wondering why they're keeping him alive if he's just going to kill them. And yeah, good point. And then we go to the uh, to the incredible monologue scene. And then I think yeah, this is the last scene. Uh, Locke and Kate come back out. Turns out entering seven seven means that the entire house blows up. Saeed's <laughs> really upset, but they have to keep moving. Um, they get going and Saeed notices that Mikhail's cat, Nadia, has made it out of the blast alive. Thank God. That was my main question. Yeah, I was actually really concerned about that. Yeah. So I'm always the first one whenever there's a house on fire and TV and, like, and the pets came out. I'm like, oh, that's the one, only thing that I ever care about. So Yeah, that's fine, actually. Thank Is you so much. Is the pet okay? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Russo wants to kill him. Saeed doesn't want to. Then Locke and Kate come out. Saeed notices that Locke didn't take anything. And Saeed, Locke's like, nah, I just played chess again. <laughs> uh, I was having fun. 
And he's like, hey, I know why you didn't want me to beat it because I saw a bunch of stuff. And then everything explodes. And obviously Saeed's really pissed off about that because that was like their chance to talk to the outside world. And I, I don't blame him for this. Yeah. I like, I can't tell if Locke like didn't know this was going to happen at all or if he knew that it was going to happen, but like he didn't expect it to be so big or something because he looks so surprised. I think he had absolutely no idea what was going to happen and he just pressed the button. Like, what do you do? Press enter seven, seven. And then what? You get a countdown or what? You know, because he walked out so casually. Yep. What, like, what, what happens with a countdown? A bomb. Yeah, why did he walk out so casually? Yeah, I've never had a countdown that ended well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I can't tell. I don't think he expected it because, like, he's done this before, but, like, the morality of also ruining it for everyone else sucks. Yep. And before, it was literally just, like, their triangulation radio, which probably wouldn't have worked anyway or whatever. I mean, I think they were trying to find the radio tower at the time. But, like, a satellite dish? Saeed is a communications officer. Like, communications is his thing. He could have fixed it, you know? That was my whole thing that pissed me off as well, is, like, so... Were you just clicking those buttons out of curiosity because you then proceeded to blow up any chance of anyone getting off this island? Mm-hmm. Well, so, like, what was the what was the thing there? Well, exactly. Like, did he not like? You know, there's got to be some consequences for it. Like, there's exactly. and also at the same time, there was all those parts for who knows what there for for radio stuff, computer stuff that we see as they walk in. Like, Saeed could have taken that. He could have fixed it. He mm-hmm. could have probably built himself a brand new computer or all that or even like you know what i mean yeah yeah so i think yeah i think this is also like partially like you ruin it for everyone else john yeah i wonder if this is like writing that you guys know uh, like when um uh prisoner of azkaban had like time turners and you'd be like wow time turners sure would be helpful in every other book after this but instead like it was just written that they all like broke in the summer between uh prisoner of azkaban and goblet of fire and you're like well that's dumb but it seems stupid but all right okay like this place would have been too convenient for it to have stayed yeah yeah when you the thing that and that's the thing that kind of bugs me about storytelling is like if you invent something that cool and then destroy it what was the point yeah just a tease yeah just a tease just a big damn tease yeah <laughs> a little bit of flavor so in the lost on location you can kind of see how they did this and it looks like it was mostly practical effects which is really cool um like it what like they actually blew it yeah yeah, and like I said, you can search the Lost on... Like, I just searched Lost on Location, Enter 7-7, and I found it on YouTube if you guys want to check it out. Okay. Saeed's like, okay, whatever, let's go, because people are going to show up now that there was a giant explosion. And then he sees that the cat survived the explosion. And as much as I don't like Mikhail, I hope that Mikhail knows or finds out that his cat survived that explosion. Yes. I just, like, want him to know that his cat was okay. And I think this moment, because I don't think... Wait, hmm, never mind. I was going to say, I don't think we know that Nadia is alive, but we do, because we've we've seen her, um, like, with Locke and everything yeah. uh, in Tustin. But I think that this also maybe signifies to Saeed that Nadia is alive. And he was on his way to her when he got on Oceanic Flight 815, but I'm sure he's constantly just like wondering how she's doing. So I don't know, maybe this is some sort of cosmic um, way. Yeah, Yeah. sign for him to know that she's okay. Yeah. It was also, like I said before, it was later confirmed that B's horse also survived the blast. So there you go, horse is okay. All right. I'm like, okay, but it was just tied up there. Like, did it get away? I assume that like maybe the rope burned up and it got away. I was like, it probably just like freaking booked it. And then I think the thing that we're supposed to understand is that Saeed like remembers being spared by Amira and that's why he spares Mikhail. Yeah. Um, I think that's what we're supposed to yeah. get from that. But it's also like, 
But you gotta know when spirit people, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's so much butterfly effect that happens this season about, like, because Mikhail is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's the ginormous <laughs> A storyline. And then we're gonna be moving into flashbacks. But before we do that, uh, we're gonna talk about Patreon. Okay. So, uh, Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. If we are some of your favorite creators, that's great. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Um, we have several things that are going on on our Patreon. Um, for $1 a month, you get early access to all of the podcasts. Um, at $2 a month, we now have a Discord server. Um, so if you guys want to join the Discord server, if you're a $2 or higher patron and talk about this episode with, um, the other people who are on there and we're also there five dollar level you get 10 percent off at choppylux.com where me and Brittany sell really cool stuff and then ten dollar level we now have a patreon only podcast called okay love you hi it's that, so fun that comes out every two weeks um the first three episodes are coming out or the first five episodes are coming out like for free on each of our um on each of our feeds so um you guys can check those out before deciding um if you want to join us um and yeah, I think that's it. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do it, people. <laughs> Be cool. Step into our yeah, office. That's a cool thing. Well, yeah. Well, only the cool kids are. That's right. And yeah, we're all sitting here enjoying this. Give the girls a buck or two a month. It's expensive. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And you get to join the Discord. Like, I don't know. You know, I'm like, oh, well, I was wondering when we were making, like, each of the new tiers and stuff, I was like, it's $10 too much for our Patreon only podcast. And then I realized that it's, it's twice monthly. So it's like, that's already $5. Plus you get all of the things underneath it. I'm like, I don't know. It feels worth it to me. Hey, and you guys send out yeah. stickers once a year too. That's worth it right there. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, true. Our uh, postcards and stuff go out um, in uh, November, December every year as well. So <laughs> I love my stickers. I don't know you guys. <laughs> uh, perfect. Okay. So flashbacks. Sometime in the early 2000s, uh, Saeed is working as a chef in a restaurant. He gets called out to the patio. A man named Sammy compliments him on his food and asks him to work for his restaurant instead for twice the pay because they have a lot in common. So yeah, Saeed is a chef in a restaurant and he goes by Najeev. Um, he has this in common with Kate where sometimes we'll just like start a Kate flashback and learn that she's been going, she's going by a different just name. Just a fun different name. I still wonder all that we could have had if... Uh, Kate and Saeed had gotten together instead of, you know? They, I don't think they would have lasted. Yeah. Yeah, I They're just, like, I've, too different. I've been re-watching season one, and just, like, there's a lot of, like, crumbs there, yeah. you know? So someone is asking for him outside. Uh, he works at this restaurant in Paris. Fancy. I love Living that. in Paris. Mm-hmm. Cool. And the translation of the name of the restaurant is the Gate of Arabia. Um, Sammy introduces himself, and he says that he's from Syria, but Sammy doesn't believe him because they're from, they're both from Iraq. They're both from yeah. Iraq. There is a subtitle for what he says, but there's a, also a literal translation that was on uh, Lostpedia because I guess the subtitle is slightly off. Mm-hmm. So the subtitle said, you are as much of a, an Iraqi as I am, young man. Um, but the literal translation is, I swear, my brother, it is very clear to me that you are Iraqi like me. So those are sli- those are slightly different. I yeah, those are very different. Mm-hmm. And then someone else also mentioned on Lostpedia about this was that the language that they're speaking is Arabic, but the dialect that they're speaking is not Iraqi. <laughs> so, what is it? I yeah. don't know. All right. Like, I'm, I'm just deeply impressed with all of these people who speak different languages who are coming on Lostpedia like, mm, sounds a little off. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, wh- whatever you say. <laughs> how can you keep track of that? <laughs> I only speak one language i uh am not as educated as any of you no we all had to take french growing up and i don't remember <laughs> any of that stuff <laughs> yeah exactly 
so yeah, Saeed is worried because he's paranoid, and I respect that, um, that this guy is basically just going to, like, blackmail him or something, um, and turns out, haha, he was right to be worried, if you can yep. believe it. He asks him to work at his restaurant and said he's going to hire him at twice his pay, and he's like, are you hiring me over one meal? And he's like, yeah, because we have something in common, and also I need a chef. And Saeed's very uncertain about this at first, which I... Uh, understand Mm -hmm. but this man is a very good actor for someone who has such high stakes and i'm not talking about the guy who plays sammy i'm talking about sammy the character himself yeah is that he's showing up like just being a man and like talking to the man who tortured his wife um and just like and totally acting like normal and chill and like nice to him you know i'm just i'm impressed for him just being like some guy Yep. Well, yeah, and Saeed does not, doesn't strike me as someone that can be easily foiled on something like this, right? So that just shows you yeah. how good he was. Like, if someone had tortured my wife, there's no way if I saw him at a restaurant, like, oh, hey, I'm going to go to his restaurant. I'm going to go eat his food. Hell no. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sure. wouldn't be able to resist, like, punching that just guy. decking him. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Saeed shows up to Sammy's restaurant. There's only one table full, and Sammy explains that their patronage is small but good. He introduces his wife, and Saeed gets apprehended by the men at the table. Amira confirms that Saeed is who she thinks he is, and he is attacked and knocked out. Oops. Um, so we see the Eiffel Tower in the background, so we already know that he's in Paris, which is really cool. What a great location for his restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, if it seemed, like, it just was too good to be true, you know? Yeah, he goes to the restaurant, he asks for Sammy, and there's not a lot of people there. It's, like, one table with a bunch of guys, and I'm like, how can he afford to pay him twice his pay? Obviously, he's, like, wasn't actually going to. Exactly. Um, But I was like, if I was Saeed, I'd be like, how can you afford to pay me at twice my pay if, like, nobody's here? Like, this does not look right. Um, On Lostpedia, it said that some of the tessellating Arabic patterns on the wall in Sammy's restaurant look like a Buddhist Dharma wheel. So that was purposeful, what? I think. Um, Sammy says that it's a really simple place, but they have good customers. And these dudes are very clearly super in on it. Like he shut oh, down yeah. this restaurant specifically oh, yeah. to have these guys be in there when he showed up. Oh yeah. So he's like, hey, meet my wife. She's in charge of the kitchens. Um, and, you know, Saeed can see that she has burn, mic- burn marks on her hands because I think he sees her her face, and like he said, he's haunted by these people who he he's knows, tortured. He, yeah. he recognizes her, looks down, and sees, like, uh-oh. Like, I think at that moment, he's like, uh-oh. Well, and he played that really good not to even, like, there's no reaction on his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And like, and I believe it when it's Saeed, you know? Yeah. yeah. He knew he was in danger. Mm-hmm. So she says that he, she is certain that it's him, and he gets reprehended by these dudes, but not without a fight, and uh, Sammy kicks him in the face, and... Yeah, it's a knockout, but it's not on island. I like how both of the knockouts were by someone getting kicked in the face. (laughs) They're like, that's the only way to get knocked out right now. Yeah. I think that in in general, these flashbacks, because the A storyline was so heavy that like these flashbacks are actually pretty simple until like the like most of it happens in one room. Yeah. And the the scenes are pretty small until that like monologue at the end. That's what I was about Mm -hmm. to say. Like the scenes are super short. Yeah, and I think it's really well um it's like well, what's it called balanced, well balanced. Yeah, yeah. Well, all we really needed to learn was it, it was a simple storyline going up to that big dialogue one one, right? Exactly, yeah. and I like all we needed to know was mm-hmm. Saeed tortured her. The husband found him. He gonna kill him. That that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's, that's it's you know that's not the meat and potatoes of it. The meat is the is at the end. You know? Right. And I also think that like this flashback, other than having just like a banger monologue at the end, doesn't really like have much of a purpose. 
No. Um, to be honest, because, you know, this having happened to him doesn't really come back or anything. And, um, you know, we knew that he tortured people and we knew that he was sorry about it, yeah. you know? So, like, I don't think that these flashbacks actually have much of a, like, purpose narrative, like, story-wise. But, God, is it worth it for that monologue oh, at yeah. the end. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, that's kind of the whole point. It's just Saeed's character development. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because the A storyline was so heavy yeah. with information. Yeah. So Saeed wakes up chained to the floor in a room in the back of the restaurant. Sammy brings him water and asks him to admit that he was the one who tortured his wife. Saeed denies it. He says that, yes, he was an interrogator, but he would remember if it had been him. Sammy says that he better come up with a different answer or he'll kill him. Basically. I mean, at least he was honest about it. <laughs> well, when you're watching it for the first time, you're like, oh my God, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Like Saeed, he's so, so Saeed's sure danger. about it. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, it really wasn't him. Like, I don't know. Like, what's he going to do? But then in reality, it turns out that it was him and, you know, they were right the whole time. Yep. But, but you're definitely worried for him for a while there. Yep. And, and, you know, he's being like, well, say the other thing or else I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, well, it seems like you're going to kill him either way. <laughs> It seems like he's kind of screwed. So Saeed's chained to the floor, like I said. um, And then Sammy brings in a bag of like metal tools and a bowl of water. And he drinks it because he's super, super thirsty. But like suspicious Saeed should be like, excuse me, is this poison? Like, dude, you're kind of screwed here. But I guess when you're that thirsty, you you just don't have a choice and you just Mm got to do it. Um, And honestly, it's not that much water. (laughs) No, but I like that it's like a dog bowl. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, exactly. At that point, I think you're taking anything. Yep. Yeah, because he, he considers him to be like a dog or like an animal. Oh, right. Uh-uh. So he says that he knows he was a torturer and he should recognize his wife. Saeed says that it's not true and that he's confusing him with someone else. He says that Amira was har- arrested for harboring an enemy of the state and that she was held for three months and that she was tortured. And we all know it's you. And... Saeed says that he he tells well he tells the truth about his name and says yes I was an interrogator um and like maybe you remember me like maybe she remembers me because I was like at the same facility mm-hmm. or whatever these are all great like 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 he finds, honestly I would believe yeah. him at that point yeah. he's very convincing and he says he can remember every face he tortured but he does not know her and this is a lie to save his life but also if you keep lying then what? Like, he he truly is just screwed. Like, Sammy's not going to be happy no matter what answer you he give. He can't lie his way out of this. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And he's like, okay, well, if you don't remember her, she remembers you just from, like, a glimpse of walking by the restaurant. So admit it or I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, okay, but if well, he admits it, you're also going to kill him. So at least you're honest about it. Yeah. <laughs> No hiding it. Yeah. So Sammy and Amira come back another day. Saeed continues to say he was not the one who hurt her um, because he would be falsely confessing. So he doesn't want to do that. Sammy reminds him that Amira did also falsely confess after being tortured while beating, while all, all the while beating Saeed up. Mm-hmm. Um, Sammy's going to beat him with a pipe, but then Amira stops him and says, that's enough for now. This um, this scene is so telling to me. Why? Well, first of all, like, okay, so they come back in and Saeed like, continue, continues to insist that he's not that man and that he would never torture a woman. But we know that he did torture Nadia. So, oh, right. So that's a lie. Okay. So we, at this point, don't know that Saeed is this man and that he is lying. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we know that he's lying about this tells us that he's probably lying about this. Got it. I was trying to think about that. Like, I don't remember how much did we see how much he actually did torture Noya. Because that's what I was thinking, too, when he said, I've never tortured him. I was like, "Eh, you were in there with Noya. But but then I couldn't remember, like, how much actually happened you know right we don't we didn't ever see it but she described it okay oh that's so dark it's it's yeah i'm trying to actually now that i think about it i'm trying to remember if she just described 
what happened to her rather than what Saeed did to her. Yeah. Like, rather than, like... Yeah, because did Saeed even actually lay a hand on her? I don't remember them ever showing it. No, actually. Because that would be really messed up. They definitely didn't ever show it. No. Yeah. I think the only person we ever see him, like, actually torture is Sawyer in season one. Well, these things happen when you're Sawyer. Mm -hmm. Well, either way, he's lying. (laughs) Um, And he's like, what, do you want me to, like, falsely confess? And he's like, well, Amira did because of the boiling oil that was poured on her. And, you know, for all the reasons in the world, for all the reasons in the world, torture is wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I also, not only is it wrong and terrible, but also you don't even get the truth out of it no because people will just say anything to not be in pain and i guess it's when it's the worst possible way to Mm -hmm. coerce someone and i guess when you're the person who's interrogating and you're just looking for a scapegoat you don't care what the actual truth is yeah that's fair either way just like in literally every way the morals of torture are terrible yep and that's my stance on torture. I think that's a good stance on torture, yeah. and yeah. I support it. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you on that. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. no. I don't think you're going to get any pushback. And if you do, I'm Yikes. concerned. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the conversation that we had about the bribery from last episode, that like you give somebody $10,000, and even if your dad didn't put them up to it, they're going to say that, they, that he did. Yep. So then, you know, Sammy's going to go grab the pipe, and Amira stops him because now they're doing the same thing that that she is about to talk about in the in the monologue. Exactly. She's absolutely horrified to see that her husband is capable of that and she's just as bad watching it happen and just letting it happen. It's the same trap. And so yeah. she's like, okay, that's enough for today. And Sammy's like, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> see you tomorrow, sucker. Yeah. Um, and then I believe that we are just doing uh, the monologue. Oh, but this monologue's so good. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so good. Okay, Um. later, Amira comes back with her cat in her arms. She explains in a frankly life-altering monologue that she didn't leave her apartment until she saw an alley cat being abused. She saved him and now they're best friends. Sometimes he lashes out, but she forgives him because she remembers what it feels like. She asks Saeed not to ignore what he did to her and Saeed finally confesses and apologizes. She tells him that she'll have her husband let him go because she's going to take the higher path. It's hard to explain just in these words what she's talking about. Yeah. Because the way that she does it is like everything. It's awesome. Yeah. The the deliver. It's the delivery. Yeah. 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 This is one of my favorite monologues of the entire show. And what else has that actress done? Like, is she I don't know. after this? You should check she's it out. very good. Yeah, okay. she was good. It's just crazy. It's like one of my favorite monologues in the entire show. And it's from this character who is only ever in this one episode and is never brought up again. Yep. And, but she's absolutely incredible. And yeah, like I was saying earlier, Naveen also does incredible work in this scene, even though he's mostly just listening. Naveen's just a really good actor. And I wish that he had an even bigger career than he does. I remember I was helping my friend. Um, she had written this script um and she was uh going to cast me in it but then uh but then it just never ended up going to production but my character got proposed to in the in the thing and so i got to be there for auditions right Uh and so basically i just kept getting like proposed to a whole bunch of times (laughs) at, at these auditions and and so this was my job was just like listening basically to these and like trying to give as much as I could to these guys who were like trying to like audition for this. Right. And you know, it's just as much work to try and like give them something to act off of, you know? Yes. Like that's part of it. Yes. 
when I tell you, there's this one guy, I straight up started crying in the middle of the I was like, we should cast that guy. I was disappointed. And then maybe I'll marry him later. <laughs> I was disappointed that we didn't go to production. Man, I didn't even make my wife cry when I proposed to her. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it was maybe it was a little dramatized, but I I straight up started crying. And like, I had already heard three other dudes that day propose using the exact same words. So that guy was good. Damn, Damn. I'm impressed. But like, that's also like, uh, but that's what I'm trying to do, right? Yeah, that's what you want. I'm sure that was very helpful for that guy, too. (laughs) So basically, yeah, she's saying she was afraid to leave the apartment. It's hard to explain because she just does it so well. She said she was afraid to leave the apartment after moving to Paris because it was like right after all those bad things happened to her. She said there was an alley cat. These children trapped him and dropped firecrackers in the box and she could hear him like screaming. That's terrifying. Which is absolutely a horrible thing to even imagine hearing. And that's that's why this scene just makes me feel so like, I, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but that's almost the way it makes me feel because I just... So bad for the cat. Like I'm, I, I think like, you're supposed to feel uncomfortable. The way that she describes it is so visceral. Yeah, like besides just her, it's just that cat. Yeah, like I feel bad for her, of course, too. But I'm just like, yeah, like the kitty. <laughs> right, and the cat doesn't even know that we're talking about its trauma. You know, I think no. Like I was sitting watching it the other night with my dog beside me. I was like, whoa, no, <laughs> it' okay. Yeah. I think it's because, and it's a very human reaction because yeah. it's a completely innocent creature that doesn't know what's going on and of course she was also innocent but it's just different levels of cognitive like ability Mm -hmm. yeah because you're just like no right so she says finally she had a reason to leave her apartment and she went and saved the cat and she says he's a very good cat but sometimes he'll hurt me because he forgets that he's safe and i forgive him because i remember the feeling of never feeling safe and you were the reason that i had that feeling oh it's such a good line after my husband and i first arrived to paris I was afraid to ever leave our apartment. So I would stare out the window into the alley and I would see this cat looking for scraps. One day, some children came into the alley and trapped it in a box. I watched them light firecrackers and dropped them in the box. I could hear him howl from three stories above. So finally, I had a reason to leave my apartment. I rescued this cat and I brought him home. Sits with me when I read. Sleeps with me. And he purrs. But every once in a while, he will bite me or scratch me. He does this because sometimes he forgets that he is safe now. So I forgive him when he bites me because I know what it is like to never feel safe. And that is because of you. So today, I ask only one thing of you. I ask you now 
that you show me the respect of acknowledging what you did to me. That it was you who questioned me, that tortured me, and that you remember me. And you need to show me respect by admitting that what you did to me, like that you did what you did to me. Because how dare you say that you don't remember me when you haunt my nightmares. I think she's so valid for wanting that. Yeah. Oh, 100% she is. Like she's so valid. And so Saeed admits, he says he remembers everything about her and that he's been haunted ever since. And he like deeply apologizes. My, God, it's such a good moment that she, she starts crying too, right? Yeah. And she does this thing where instead of like crying downwards, she cries upwards yeah and she like lifts her head up high while she's like looking down her nose at him in just like the most incredible way it's amazing she's a really good actress and like she hasn't really she just does little guest spots i looked her up yeah she's canadian ah she just does little guest guest spots what's her name uh her name is Anne bedian wow congratulations you're amazing (laughs) i love her but yeah she like lifts her head high and she just and she forgives him and she says she's gonna tell her husband that she messed up and that he'll just be released because we can all do what those children did and just like hurt people for our own enjoyment Mm -hmm. but i am not gonna do that i admire her for that yeah incredible i just like it's so good it's very very good she's a very good actress and like it's such a great little insight it doesn't like move the plot forward but it gives us a little bit of like sorely needed Saeed development because he's been pretty neglected right it reminds him how to be merciful yeah well she brings out like the snot tears in in him like he's crying Mm -hmm. but he's got the snot running out of his nose like yeah no she yeah like he's losing his mind she takes that off awesome and it's I I know this I know where you're talking about when she looks up and sucks Mm -hmm. back the tears and side glances at him like yeah yeah like I yeah. win. Like that's what it is. I win. I love it. And I just deeply, I deeply appreciate. I think I've said this about Adewale, and I've said this about Mira. But like, I appreciate an actor so much that's not scared to be ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like what the character would do. I you agree. Know? Yeah. Cool. That's the episode. Great. Well, we it's a good episode. episode. Yes. It's a lot, but it was a good episode. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So now we're going to go into our segments. Unless anybody has anything else to add. No. No, I'm good. Cool. So now we're going to go into our segments. Our first segment is our best line award. So my best line award goes to Mikhail and Saeed for... There is nothing you could do to me that would make me lead you there. I didn't say you were our ticket. Did I? Did I? No. It's good. Yeah. And uh, I kind of thought of Saeed and then I was like, Grimace. Oh, Grimace. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I'm not going to do it because it does feel a little in bad taste, even mm. though I feel as a chunky person, I am qualified to laugh at it. I will not. <laughs> and mine goes to Saeed for. Well, if there's someone else here, they're hiding pretty good. I checked every nook and cranny of this place. Not every nook and cranny, John. But it, like just specifically the way that Naveen does it in the blooper reel. So you kind of yeah. got to be in on this. I think I think it's probably on YouTube, and so I can probably insert also a clip of him screaming it. Like, the thank you, yeah, 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 because yeah. when I asked that, I, I think I've watched that like fifty times. That yeah. that blooper yeah. of it. Not every nook and cranny, John. I know, and I love how <laughs> Terry and Evie are both like, "Huh? What are you doing?" <laughs> 
And then what about you, uh, 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 Scott? Mine goes to Sawyer, uh, to Nikki. The but now I'm back, and I want what's mine. Yeah, but it wasn't really yours to begin with. A, it was mine when I took it. B, who the hell are you? <laughs> also, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Who are, are you? We are children. Um, and the next segment is Man of Science, Man of Faith. And this episode, we are talking about Saeed. I, does anybody see any faith in Saeed? That's the written, that's the main question because he is so man of science this episode. I think he's got faith that he's not going to get shot when he's walking up to the That's flame. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's like the only time like he, he has, Ooh, he has faith walking up there. And as soon as he gets shot, he's like, okay, we are switching over to science and he's yeah. science for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. He has faith in the heart. Mm-hmm. Did they do the thing? Yes. Uh, like I said before, the thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode, um, yes, they did it three or four times this episode, so I will quite insert nice. that here. Has there been an incursion on this station by the hostiles? If so, enter 7-7. Seven, seven. Has there been an incursion on this station by the hostiles? If so, enter 7-7. Seven, seven. The computer said if there was an incursion by the hostiles... I should enter 7-7. So I entered 7-7. How many episodes since the last knockout? Bonk. We are back to zero on the knockout It has been zero days since our last knockout. Mm -hmm. Does this episode pass the Bechdel test? I don't think so. Because I don't think Kate Rousseau or Clue talk enough to warrant this. No. Especially not, not to each other. No. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think so this no. episode. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, like I said earlier, thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. We would be... <laughs> nice. Nice. You're the yeah. one who made up that joke like I four know. episodes ago. I know, and I'm just really proud of it. That should be the tagline on the top of the website. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate it, thanks. Yeah. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. Uh, and thank you to our lovely roommate, Sam, for her uh, cooperation and respect when we recorded this podcast. She has been, um, like many people, playing the new new kind of Mass Effect new, game. Yeah. Um, and so that's what she's been doing the whole time, just in her room. Uh, and thank you, Sam. That's my baby. Yeah. If you're so inclined, please write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We like those. I just looked at them, and they are also wholesome. Yeah. Or wherever you listen. I know not everybody listens on Apple Podcasts, so wherever you want to, we would really appreciate that. If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show, too. Sam and I are currently covering season three. We did seasons four to seven as they aired, and now we're going back to do the the first three seasons, starting with season three, so that we can end with season one, because the uh, last season was, like, deeply disappointing, and so we are basically just trying to like uh, do the seasons that we really loved as a catharsis mm-hmm. for the fandom, basically. You survived the crap. I'm with you guys on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it, when it was good, it was, it was good. good. It was yeah. Good. Season two. Mm-hmm. Oh, season oh, two. Season two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. And one day it'll come back. Ah. Um, it went on hiatus. When did you go on hiatus? Uh, February? No. March? Uh, yeah, March. Because mm. we didn't record in April and we haven't recorded in May. Uh, oh, yeah. So, like, end, like beginning of April, I think yeah. it went off. Um, and it's not going to be back till August. But, um, yeah. yeah, we've recorded, like, every season of that show. Not just like. We have recorded yeah, an episode. We have quite literally recorded uh, every episode of every season of that show. And mm-hmm. it is delightfully bad. And that's why we we love it. Yeah. There are people... 
who listen to the podcast without having watched the show. And I also respect that, you know? Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, you like to talk about that show too. We uh, are just doing season three right now. So we are done season one and season two. And we are taking up 2021 to season three. Uh, just in in lying in wait for season four. Yeah. If you're a fan of Star Trek Picard, you like to talk about that show too. We covered season one and... We have some plans for Oakley where we talk about Star Trek. So you should join our Patreon so you can get access to that. Yeah. What? You can follow the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. And Robin makes gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr because she works really hard. Thanks. Um, like I said earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because ugh, it's expensive what we do. And um, the amount of work that I put into it uh, is like so much. And so, yeah, I would just really appreciate it. We have so many new perks now that uh, hopefully those are worth it for you. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's just like a whole bunch of new stuff that that you now have access to. And that'll be super fun. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end, but I wouldn't. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for Yay! having me. Where can we follow you? You can follow me at Hey Guy on Twitter. Yeah, that, that's what it <laughs> And follow him and yell, Hey Zamboni Guy, yeah. when you follow him. That's right. Um, so the next thing that's going to be on this feed is actually going to be our um, OK Love You High episode. Um, that's we're, we're putting one out on every single one of our, our five feeds. So that's the next thing that you're going to see on this feed. We're going to talk about the wilds and um, how the wilds and Lost kind of go together and why Lost fans would love the wilds, basically. And we are rewatching the whole first season in preparation for that. Hell so I'm yeah. excited. My friends, we decided that we are going to take the first five to ten minutes of uh, that Oakley podcast spoiler-free to talk about um, reasons why people who love Lost will love the wild. So even if you haven't seen it, I hope that you tune in just for the first little bit and then you can, you know, watch the show and then come back for the rest of the discussion. There's there's something for everybody in there. Um, and then after that, we are going to be having our mid-season roundtable because uh, it, we're in the middle of the season and we are going to be having Maria, who we had on, um, who is at Juliet's Burke on Twitter. And we had her on for the Not in Portland episode. She's good too. I know, right? She's really good. Oh my gosh, she's going to hear this and she's yeah. going to be like, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, and then new guest, we are also going to be having Cookie on and she's at Sun Sun's Quan on Twitter. That's a really good. I think it's so funny that we have Juliet's birth and And Sun's Quan coming on. Um, But yeah, so they are going to be on. um, Let me know, you guys, if you guys have any specific topics that you want us to talk about in the mid season. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I think that's it. That is it. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. I appreciate the both of you. Yes. That's what our podcast should have been called. I appreciate the both of you. I appreciate the both of you. Yeah. Uh, okay, spoilers. So um, the first thing that I had on um, Lostpedia, it said the title of the episode, Enter 77, foreshadows the character's eventual jump into the year 1977. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they actually jump into seventy four, and then they like live to yeah, seventy seven. But because they jump in before Star Wars, because Hurley has this whole thing where he's like, "I can write Star, write Wars. Star Wars." Yeah, he's like, right. but George Lucas is already writing Star Wars. Yeah, but he doesn't want to hear that. He well, he I think Miles tells him that, and then he's like, "Yeah, but I can help him with the other ones." Yeah, he, yeah, he's like, "I can make I don't them know. better." Those first three were good. What mm-hmm. they need, what he needs to help him with. Are the prequels. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And see, up until last year, I had only ever seen episode one. So I finally went and watched those original three. They're good. You finally did it. I, I, I get it. I, I get why people <laughs> like them. That yeah. was that was my big accomplishment last year. Because it's not like we could do anything else. I didn't like the newer ones. No, I had never you... seen. I had never seen episode four, five, and six up until like a year and a half ago. That's so, crazy. And there's like... There's something so classic and nostalgic about them. I still have only seen the first one. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's... I'm going to do spoilers, and I think I'm going to start with the flashbacks, just because there's not much, like, island stuff to talk about in there. I don't even know if I actually have any. Let's see. No. Not spoilers. Never mind. I don't have any flashback stuff. Yeah. Because none of it comes back. (laughs) No. Really. Uh, Okay, so the beach storyline... Let's see. Okay, Sawyer saying that he doesn't know who Nikki is is flashback or is foreshadowing to expose when he still doesn't know who Nikki is. It's it's shady, but it's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny to me that he actively talks to her. Like in expose, he like actively talks to her and then still doesn't know who she is. So it's so funny to me that Sawyer just like can't tell any woman apart that isn't Kate. Well, I think it's also them writing towards us fans who are still like halfway Absolutely. through. Absolutely. Like, who the hell are yep. these people? These people, why do they have lines all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah. Because I still remember the first time watching it through going, what, who the hell is this? Who are they? <laughs> who, who is this? I love an expose how they like weave them into like the old scenes yeah. though. Yeah. It's so good. And they like bring back Maggie Grace and everything and like, oh, it's so good. It's it's very well done for an episode that people friggin' hate. And I love that episode. I don't know what the hell's wrong with people. Yeah. That episode does not get the love that it should. That's like kind of it I had for the, um, for the B storyline other than the fact that now Sawyer can't do um, nicknames for a while. No. Does, oh. Do they actually follow through on that? Yes, for sure. That's awesome. Well, because of course they did. Yeah. 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 Um, because that's that's in itself a, a piece of comedy, right? Because Sawyer's nicknames are supposed to, for the most part, be comedy, except when you're like, ugh, yikes, Sawyer. <laughs> but uh, so like they have to still make it comedy by making him like struggle and everything, right? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so now into the meat of the of everything. They have to be on a course of 305 on his bearing and following a bearing is how things get done in like season 4 especially. Mm-hmm. Um following the bearings are yeah. really important, so that feels like that was a thing. And then also in season 4, um seeing a cow, uh one of my my sister's favorite character on the entire show is Frank Lapidus. And one of the first times we see Lapidus, he, like, sets down the helicopter and then, like, gets up the hill and just, like, finds a cow. And it's like, I just saw a cow. (laughs) You just walk up and you're like... Harry Chesson, I'll just let it just flail out. Exactly. He's like, what am I... What is this place? But my main question is, same cow, question mark? I think it looks it has, similar. It has to be. Right? Like, where else? I like, if, That's it, right? If any show was going to have cow continuity, mm-hmm. it would be a JJ show. Yeah. And I only say a JJ show because Fringe also had good cow continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense to me that, like, like it annoys me so much when people are like, well, they didn't answer answer all the questions. And I'm like, we weren't even asking where the cows went. And they told us where the cows yeah. went in this episode. Like, yeah. they do it. Okay. Uh, the flame. 
So this is the first time we're seeing the flame. Uh, and then in the spoilers, in my spoilers notes, I wrote, it's very cool that this is the first time that we're seeing it and it gets blown up and then it becomes so important. But the only times that we ever see it is in the past. Um, Cause like Juliet sees Rachel here later, um, you know, in a, in a flashback, mm -hmm. she like comes here to like see her sister and everything. Um, and then like, when they're in the Dharma Initiative in 1977 and everything, Radzinski works here, like Jin comes here and everything. And like they find Saeed here in season five um, where he like becomes one of the hostels or whatever. Like the flame is so important and it's so cool that the first time we see it, it straight up gets blown up. But it's like so important and the only times we ever see it are in the past. Yep. Very yep. cool. Kind of reminds me of Ethan. You know, he was here for such no, a small- Ethan. Like he was here for a small amount of time. Kill him. And then, but like we still see him so much. Yep. I love when he pops up randomly throughout mm -hmm. the throughout the season. Because it's like or seasons. Excuse me for swearing, but it's always like this fucking guy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. That's that's me when when Mikhail is like, oh, he's dead, and then he's not dead, and then he's dead, and he's not dead, and you're like, what kind of cockroach ass behavior? Yeah. But that man sure can play dead. He can foam from the mouth Certainly. pretty damn good to fake that death. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so Mikhail Bakunin is, uh, this is who he was named after. Um, the real Mikhail was a proponent of anarchism and the questioning of authority. Ironically, the show's Mikhail is referred to by Ben as a loyalist, and he apparently agrees with Bonnie that the others shouldn't question their orders. The real Mikhail was also an atheist, while the show's Mikhail believed in Jacob as a higher power. So I feel like they really were just like, okay, yeah, name me a Russian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> name yeah. me a famous Russian. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so Mikhail says that he likes computers and working alone, so he was assigned to the flame. And he literally, I think he says lighthouse keeper. Um, so it's funny that like he wants to be like a lighthouse keeper, but I guess there was no one needed to man the actual lighthouse on the, on the <laughs> island. He was like, so they this were is like, a no. pursuit. Yeah. Yeah. Did Ben make him turn the camera back on because sometimes he goes there and looks at stuff? Uh, I think I kind of talked myself out of that. And I think that yeah. Ben is watching from the Pearl right now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea that there's actually a ca like that the camera will light up when someone's watching. Yeah. Just some Among Us behavior. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to go back and rewatch it now thinking like how you think on that one. Yeah. It's just weird that like that that is such a not at all stealthy move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At all. So he explains the purge and his explanation at first is really good. And then later he's like, yeah, some scientists came and killed all of the Dharma. And I'm like, it wasn't scientists. It was like Ben and Richard. So oh, I, yeah. have, I was like, I'm not really sure about that but yeah his explanation of most of the things was was pretty good saeed brings up the wires and talks about the one that goes into the ocean this is going to come up again in catch 22 when um desmond has that vision of hurley finding that same wire uh in the ocean and oh mikhail talks about how well i mean he doesn't say it by name but like not the lamppost but um the looking glass station he says that it's under it's an underwater beacon and Mikhail in the season finale, or like close to it, is surprised to learn that it isn't underwater. So this is true to him. Mm -hmm. Like he truly believes that this is underwater. Yeah. And he says that the submarine was used to bring Dharma to the island. And it is also used to bring everyone else. We see like in a, a very soon after now episode, we see Juliet going on the on the submarine. It's a fairly important submarine, one, yeah. one could say. The uh, Galaga? Is that what they call the submarine? Galaga is a... A video game. I know, but I seem to remember them calling it that. I was gonna say, did we ever learn what it was I think called? so. Hold on. Because I think, I was like, oh, is that the freighter? But I think the freighter starts with a K. The name of the freighter. Hold on. Yeah, the submarine. It's called the Galaga. Cool. Yeah. 
Good memory, Robin. Thanks. <laughs> oh, and the freighter is called the Kahana. Kahana. Yeah. I don't know how you remember this stuff. I was going to say, I just finished season four. I should remember yeah. that. <laughs> I can sure tell you what songs are on Coco Melon. I can remember that. Good. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm dreading that. My brain's turned into mush after watching kids' shows all morning mm-hmm. long every day. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm, like, dreading that, because, like, my mom's already talking about getting my niece to watch Coco Melon, and I'm like, oh. please no. Please no. I tried to put on DuckTales. Like, here, guys, come on. DuckTales. Ooh! Exactly! Saeed thinks about killing Mikhail, but ultimately doesn't do this. And I, I know that, like, Desmond has that whole thing about him dying or whatever, but Charlie may not have died in the way that he did if Saeed had done this. Yep. But then they wouldn't have gotten into Dharmaville either, so, like... There's a whole lot of like butterfly effect that would have happened um, there. We see Pierre's arms. So there's this whole thing about Pierre's arm where one of his arms is amputated. Um, and you can tell when. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can tell when a video was shot based on whether or not his arm is amputated and has he has a fake arm, whether it was before the incident or after. Um, and his arm is definitely fake in this one. So the flame existed before the incident we know that because we see it in like all over the place but this video must have been made after the incident because his arm is how do they keep track of crap like i know how do they do this i don't know the continuity on this show is so good Mm -hmm. like whoever their script supervisor was you deserve Emmys. Yeah. And then, oh, the last thing I had was that um, Locke blowing up the house. It's like similar circumstances and also like similar shots, like looks wise, to when Locke blows up the Galaga later. Mm -hmm. You know, like that moment where he like walks out and holds his hands up. I mean, he didn't this time, but I mean, he does later. He like holds his hands up and then it like blows up in front of him because cool guys don't look at explosions. Um, they don't. So, Um, so yeah. That's 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 what I got. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to mention before we uh, wrap up here? I got. I don't think I do. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, Scott, when's the next time we're gonna have you? Another couple years? Probably another two years. <laughs> hey, maybe by then we can go to restaurants. We can do all these fun things. That would be great. <gasps> I mean, if, if we can't by then, I'm going to Ugh. be really upset. <laughs> Get your vaccines, people. Let's let. Can we do something fun? Maybe at the end of this year. Please, I'm half done. I got one. I'm 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 half done too. I got my first one a uh, week and a half ago. So, which squad are you in, Scott? I am uh, squad visor. Us yeah, too. <laughs> uh huh. I, I got a, I got a chance phone call and we have extras. Can you be here in fifteen minutes? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. You're like yes, yes, I can. How Absolutely. did you get that phone call? My wife's a pharmacist. Oh, that that's that'll do it. And and she went to pharmacy school with two of my oldest friends, and one of them was working at one of the clinics in town, and they were closing, and she was like, "We have we got like three extras. Can you be here in fifteen minutes? You bet." Say yes, yes, I can. I'm so jealous of you and happy for you at the same time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so awesome. Okay, Ah. well, Scott, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. It's fun every time. You're always so great. Yes, well, yeah, yeah, it's so fun. I fake it. I I try to fake it, you guys. So. Um, if you guys want to follow Scott, uh, all his stuff is going to be in the um, description. But also, it's just at Hey Zamboni Guy. Yeah, I remember that. It's literally if you walk into a rink and you have to yell something, it's exactly what my Twitter handle would be. So there you exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-E with an underscore at the end. Uh, you can follow us at The Aficionados all over the place. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Aficionados. And yeah, we appreciate you. Please enjoy um, the Oakley uh, OK Love You High podcast that's going to be on this feed next about the wilds and then the midseason. And then we can finally continue on with season three. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, woohoo! Woohoo! Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye, guys. You really the number one draft pick, Grimace? Yep.